Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 71, our last regular episode of the year. I'm going to deliver my final impressions of The Last Guardian today. I'm going to... We're both going to talk about Frank West's return in Dead Rising 4, and we're going to hop into a VR X-Wing cockpit for Battlefront VR. Yep, we got the latest information on Switch, like every other damn episode of Game Face, and we're going to give you the final results of Matt and I's Sifted Fantasy League. Such as it is. (laughs) Exactly, which has not worked out too well for me. We've got a great show for you guys today. Let's do it. What's up, Sifters? Hope everyone is having a great Saturday afternoon, at least the people in the U.S. The folks in Europe are actually getting to watch the show at a decent time for once. Uh And if you are in Europe, hopefully you've cracked at least one beer uh, to uh, cheers the show with us. This is our last regular episode of Game Face for 2016. Kind of hard to believe. The year has gone by really quickly. December Uh, in particular has gone by really quickly. Yeah, it's whipped by pretty fast. Uh, We do have one more kind of episode. We'll be doing our Game of the Year special next week. Uh, Probably will be next Friday, it's Mm. looking like. Matt's going to see Star Wars on Thursday. uh, There there are certain things that cannot be muted. And that is one of them. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Matt's going to go see it. Is that premiere night or is that before premiere night? Preview night. Yeah, it's, it's like Thursday night. It's a it's a uh, it's a 10 p.m. midnight preview showing because words don't mean anything. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we have that, and then we also have we're coming up. We'll have our uh, Shane versus Bloodborne uh, live stream, and that's going to double as like a subscriber drive. Uh, so I've, we have a ton of game codes that we're going to be giving away uh, during that live stream. Uh, probably some other giveaways oh, yeah? as well. Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff in my humble library. I I don't need. If you want to bring them, bring some and we'll, stuff. look, it's going to be fun. We'll be flashing up the codes on the screen during the show. It's not going to be like we're going to announce it. Like here comes a code. Like they're just going to randomly pop up during the live stream. Uh, so make sure you have uh, paper and pen handy. <laughs> Uh, but it's going to be fun. I don't know how long it's going to last. Maybe eight hours, something how, like however that. However long you can last. Yeah. <laughs> if, if that's the case, it'll only be about forty-five minutes. <laughs> But anyway, we'll give you guys uh, scheduling information for that. That will not happen before. You need to get our... one of those like like loop things they use for like wild animals, yeah. just like to hold you. <laughs> the hoop <laughs> with the long pole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that will happen after our uh, game of the year special. So uh, next week, game of the year special, and then a date to be announced after that. We'll be doing the Shane versus Bloodborne subscriber drive. So really excited about that. Uh, so we talked last week about the Last Guardian. Matt and I had both. We're both couple hours in, two or mm-hmm. three hours in. Matt, have you gone forward anymore in the game? Well, like an hour forward. Um, Why have you not played it? Too re- I'm, I've just been a very busy week. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I'm just... It, I, it requires concentration and yeah. focus, and I just haven't been there. And, like, as you said in the game eval, like, there's those things where, like, I would kind of be stuck, and I'd be trying to tell Trico to do stuff, and he wouldn't. And then suddenly, like, the sixth time, he would do exactly what I thought he might do. And then I, go, I, do, yeah. and I just got tired of, like, waiting for the Trico AI to sort of, like, get on with it, basically. I, 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 didn't, I, I got tired of playing something where I felt like I wasn't in control of my progress. And, like, I would probably not feel that way if I wasn't quite as, like, schedule-constricted this week. And I'm just like, I gotta make some progress here. Like, you, you, can't, just, you can't just fart around like a giant bird cat anymore. Like, you gotta move yeah. forward. And it's, it's just... 
I get that it's kind of it's atmospheric in terms of like trying to portray him as an individual like creature, but like it was it's it was really great on me. Um, I, I don't find it a game breaker. It's not like it's going to stop me from playing a game later, but like it, that's maybe some, I, there's just no indication that like it's something you're not doing right, or that it's just Trico's not doing his action for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, they could have fixed that easily just by adding a sound effect for Trico. Mm-hmm. If you're telling him to do something that he doesn't want to do, if he just had one sound effect that they fired off every time, where he's basically telling you like, no. Yeah, like a particular grunt or yeah, something. I yeah, I mean, it is... Well, I don't even know if I would say it's the most aggravating part of the game, because there's other parts, too, that are pretty pretty irritating. But it was certainly up there as one of the most aggravating mm-hmm. parts of the game. The other part, too, is that, like... There are certain parts, I don't know if you've even got to one of them yet, where Trico will just kind of take over. Like, you'll say, okay, go in this direction and start jumping. Yeah. And he'll just go. Yeah. So instead of just doing one jump and waiting for your command, he'll go and do, like, a sequence of, like, three or four Mm -hmm. of them in a row, and then he'll stop. And sometimes after he finishes that sequence, he'll be like, okay, go forward again. And he'll kind of sit there and him and haul around a little bit, and then he'll turn around and go back through... That three or four I, jump. I think, I think you're thinking of the exact same place I'm thinking of where it's like... It's, it happens a bunch. Yeah, but I'm thinking of... It's like this part... You get to a place that looks kind of like a dead end, and he hops from like pillar to pillar, up, yeah. up, up. Yeah. And then he sort of stops. And in reality, there's another jump he has to make. Yeah. But he just stops. And like I was like, oh, go forward. And I did that in exactly... Like he turned around and jumped all the way back down. And it takes like a minute and a half. Yeah, and it like, takes a while. And I was yeah. like, I don't want to sit through that again. I turn it off. Yeah. Like, I, I just. Well, there's a that happens a lot throughout yeah. the course of the game. Like, you got to be patient for this game, and I have not been patient recently. Patience is definitely the key, and that's that's kind of the rub with this game is that if you can get over kind of those contrivances, like the issue that you talked about, the fact that the boy controls like crap, and there's bottomless pits all over the game where you can fall. Um, if you oh, yeah, get, there's a trophy for getting through it without dying. I'm just like, not today. <laughs> you'd have to be really patient to yeah, do that. Or you'd have to have memorized the whole thing. Because like, the camera goes crazy sometimes, yeah. too. Like, if you're on Trico, the camera... Because Trico is such a... That's what really presents a lot of the problems for the game, is that Trico is so damn big. And he takes up... when the, If the camera's close to him, he takes up the whole screen. And so it will kind of clip through him, and you can't see anything. And the camera will get stuck, and you're just like, okay... You'll tap the button to just release and fall down, mm-hmm. and you can't see which side of Trico going on. And sometimes you just fall off of him and just fall into a bottomless <laughs> pit. But here's the thing: so all these issues, and again, like you mentioned, I mentioned a lot of them in, in the Eve How. This game is still more than worth playing. Mm-hmm. It is, like I said in the Eve How, it is just one of those games that simply aren't made anymore. Like even though this game has a ton of issues, the quality level still overall is there. Certainly mm-hmm. in the presentation and in the story, um, certainly the emotional impact of the game is alone, for, in, in my opinion, is worth playing it. And I also think it's worth playing because you're just not going to get experiences like this in games anymore. Although we're going to talk about a topic a little later in the show that maybe where maybe that could change. Mm-hmm. But right now, this is kind of a niche thing that really appeals to a small audience. And publishers have kind of figured it out, and they are not willing to take risks on games like this anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame, because our industry needs games like this to kind of push things forward. I mean, it's ironic to me that a game that started development nine years ago is one of the most creatively interesting releases of 2016. I mean, think about that. This game, its idea, its genesis, was almost a decade ago. Yeah, and I, th- that's the other kind of thing about this game is, like, 
like on one hand, I, I it's cool that it's kind of a throwback to to the older eco team eco games and that kind of thing. But at the same time, I'm playing I'm playing this and like obviously, the creature stuff was beyond the PS3. But other than that, I'm like, why did this take ten years? I don't know. Like what? Okay, like the creature's too much for the PS3 to handle. Shelve it. And make something else. I like, don't think this game was in development all nine years. Probably not. I think at a certain point, I think Sony may have actually pulled the plug on this game. And I think that's why you saw the main guy leave the studio mm-hmm. and basically start his own little studio. That, like, that Sony says, then hired to finish the game. Right. Well, yeah, really Wade said he hasn't even been in the office for three years. Right. But well, he left and started his own mm-hmm. little studio... And then Sony basically hired that little studio as a private contractor to mm. finish off the game. Tokyo's studio ended up just handling all the programming while Ueda's new studio handled all the design decisions and things like that. So I don't think this game was in development for nine years. Probably not. I think at a certain point... But it's just weird to me that like it seems like they had this idea, because there's tons of stuff in this that, like you know, is exa- you know those early teaser images with the well and the chain. Like, it's yeah, all in there. It is, yeah. And you're like, like what? Like, like in what world is your business solution like? Oh, this isn't going to work. Let's just stop. You know, like, yeah. like it's so weird. That, like it's just sort of. Well, I think fan outcry that, that, like, is why big, they revived it. Yeah, but like, why didn't they move on to another project? Is kind of my question. Well, I like, wish they would have just started this again from scratch. Yeah. I mean, I don't want them to move on. Like the concept, and I mean, I enjoyed playing this game. It's a good game. Yeah. I it do, just has I a lot of it, issues that games had literally ten years ago, yeah. and it's very bizarre that like, how much did they test this game? Like, or maybe they just gave up. I guess they're just finally like, look, we can the mm-hmm. pe- players can play the game from beginning to end. I mean, there is one part in this game where I come out of a building, and all that you can really see is like a couple suspended walkways and a tower, and the frame rate completely bottoms out. I mean, it literally goes to like five. Or six frames a second. Like, there is no way this game was ever running on the PlayStation 3. There, it's just mm-hmm. incapable of running the game. I mean, it would have been a slideshow through, like, 40 or 50% of the game. Like, I... And I think, did it start life, actually, as a PS2 project? Was um, it ever a PS2 game? I'm not, I'm not sure would, about that. I don't think so. Um, cause it I was, know it was first officially announced as PlayStation yeah, I mean, 3. Yeah, I mean, Colossus came out in 2004, so they would have had access at least to the idea of the PS3 specs by then. Right, right. Because Sony, Sony knew what that system was going to be a long way out because of the cell processor run-up. Yeah. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if they always planned that to be a next year. Because they'd released two things on the PS2, that's about right, yeah. for a, t- a team that size. Yeah, and they never got out a and single then, game uh, on the PlayStation later, 3. Yeah, they they never the got system. a single game. It's really crazy. Uh, so the one thing I will say about this now that I've finished it is this game is far more overtly cinematic than mm-hmm. Team Eco's prior games. Like Shadow of the Colossus and Eco, there wasn't a ton of like cinemas that kind of moved the story forward. It's one of those things where things kind of happened around you and mm-hmm. you kind of had to figure it out. There are overt story-moving cinemas in this game. and I was a little shocked there's a narrator. Yeah. Well, that actually kind of goes away as the game goes mm-hmm. on. He only comes back later on if you're stuck. Like, if you've been mm-hmm. running around in circles, like, he'll come and say, you should blah, 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 <laughs> blah. But, I remember when this happened, I did yeah. this thing. Is that, yeah, but it's like, it's like the fact that that's even there yeah. is unusual for them. Well, I think they may have added that late when they, the testers were like, dude, what the hell am I supposed to be doing? Because <laughs> right? there are a lot of parts of the game where, like, 
when you figure it out, you get mad. You're like, mm. why would you ever, like, because you've tried a million different things via trial and error. You finally figure out what the game is asking you to do, and you're just like, really? Well, I, I this even, is something I saw at first and never dreamed that you would make that the objective here. Well, this, I, I feel a little bit of that even playing it early on where I'm just like, because there's been a couple times when I've, you know, I finally figured something out, and I'm just like, the only reason I didn't know that was what I had to do is because the camera wouldn't show me that. Right. Want, you know, because it kind of even when you're move, maneuvering it with the R R stick, and I, you know, ca- camera camera control used to be a skill back yeah, in the old days. It was, yeah. But like even that, like the the camera seems to kind of fight you. In There's this no game. skill. You, you can't become good at using no. the camera. Well, because it constantly wants to go back to somewhere else. It doesn't want to show you the top of whatever you're looking at. It's because of Trico. Like, it's yeah. so big. Like most games, only have to show this little character that's just you know. One thirtieth of the screen. Mm. I mean, in Tri- with Trico, a lot of times he's taken up like seventy percent of the screen real estate or whatever. I don't know if there is ever a way to build a game where you could show him at all times with this kind of level design. Because mm-hmm. the problem is, most of the game does not take place out in these open areas that they've shown in a lot of the demos they've released. It, most of it is inside. Yeah, there's a lot of corridors. A lot of corridors, small rooms, and the camera just does not have enough room to get to a place where it can show the entirety of Trico without clipping through a wall. So, I guess instead of them wanting to go for that whole old trick they used to use where they'd make like the walls invisible, mm-hmm. um, I think they were just like, screw it. So, the story in the game, now that I've finished it, I think one thing I would say is it did not end up having as strong an emotional impact as I thought it was going to after all these years. Like, I thought I might actually like be brought to tears or something. Like, it never really strayed into that territory. But I do love the story in it. And it wasn't what I expected at all. Uh, the ending, can't really see coming. Mm. Um, it's not like a crazy, like mind-blowing twist or anything at the end. But it's, it's clever and it's handled well. Um, but I never got close to like my lip quivering and like getting mm. that emotionally invested into the game. But I do feel like it does a good job of building it until the end. So that there is sort of a, an emotional payoff at the end. And I'm not going to spoil what kind of a payoff it is. Um, but I was also surprised, like, how many humans are in this game. Because mm. you watch all the media and you play all their prior games, and it's always just, like, you and one other thing. Mm-hmm. And in this game, there's a lot of other humans involved in the plot, ultimately. Huh. Which I was pretty surprised at. Um, but I really enjoyed this game. There was a point when I was playing it where I was like, is this a game of the year contender? And then you start thinking about all the mechanical issues, and it's so hard to give it that nod. But, like, looking back, and we'll talk about this, obviously, next week with our Game of the Award show, but our Game of the Year award show, but you look back across the year, and there just aren't that many memorable experiences. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of capped off my eval with, like, you know, we have all these games that come out that you look at the nuts and bolts of them and the modes that they have and how polished they are, and they get higher scores in this game. But then I wonder, 20 years from now, when I look, if I'm still alive, I look back at 2016, am I going to remember all those games, or am I going to remember The Last Guardian? Like, I'm probably going to remember The Last Guardian more than, and I mean, part of that is that it did take so long to come out, there's all these years of anticipation, and there's a whole history. Yeah, that's true of Final Fantasy XV, too. Yeah. Are you going to remember that one? Probably not. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of history with this game with GT, where we kept giving it all these, like, most anticipated things that never came out. It was kind of this running joke on the site that I was dealt with for seven or eight years. And so there's a little bit of built-in incentive for me to remember it 20 years from now. But just looking at it completely unbiased, it's, it's a game that 
sticks with you, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you, after I finished playing, like, a session of it, I'd put it down, I'd be thinking about it. Like, that's kind of my litmus test for kind of the longevity of games. And it's a shame that this thing will never get polished up to a place. It would be great if, like, they kept working on it, put out a patch that fixed all the issues in it. I don't see that happening. This game's already nine years. They, event they eventually just gave up, and we're like, mm -hmm. this is it. This is good and enough. And it does run pretty well on the Pro. Does it? Um... I haven't really seen a lot of. Yeah, I played this issues. on the stock PS4. So I've, I've read a lot. I mean, I, I mean, I've read people posting online and tweeting about like, oh, the frame rate, the frame rate, the frame rate. It would never occur to me to even think about the frame rate on the Pro. Oh wow. Um, now I don't. Later I don't, on, I'll I haven't be gotten to some to of the later yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'll be interested. But to see by all sure. reports, it's at least acceptable on the Pro and kind of a disaster in that. Regard on the on the vanilla. Yeah, I watched the uh, now, I don't know analysis of it. I mean, it's like I don't know. I mean, it looks good, but it's like, how can Uncharted run smooth and this doesn't? Is kind of a an interesting question. Maybe um, I guess it's just you know old tech in some some regards. Is it, it doesn't? It looks like a remastered PS3 game in places. Oh, it does definitely. So. I mean, the t the same that same wall texture is used. Yeah, billions of times. And that is one thing I would say, too, about it, is that it is kind of samey the whole way through. Like, the game never drastically changes in its look. Because, I mean, look, you are in these ruins, but there's no reason that you couldn't kind of set up some different environments in here. I mean, what you're seeing right now is pretty much what the whole game looks like, mm -hmm. save for some cinemas. I wouldn't mind, like, maybe one day seeing a... Um... Like a uh, a remaster and on the PS5 or something yeah. that sort of smooths Trico over so he doesn't quite look so video game charactery. Yeah. Like like the animation is there, but like the way the feathers are done, just like still to me looks like oh like it's it's a little. A lot. I think off. a lot of that depends on the lighting. I True. think there's certain scenes where he looks amazing. Like that looks good, yeah. but at the same time, just like that really obvious break between like the the neck and the, and yeah. the chest. Yeah. And like I I. The lighting plays a big. You part can of see that. how they really overreached the hardware for like ten years running on this game. Yeah, and like I guess the question becomes like, was it worth it? I mean, ultimately, they're not going to make their money back on this. game. No, but for you, was it worth it? The nine-year wait. No, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really enjoyed the game, and I think it's really unique and something we don't get far enough anymore in the industry. But was it worth nine years of development? No. Financially for Sony, definitely not. Like I, it is selling better than they thought. It seems. Is it? Uh, like they're they're sold out on Amazon. Oh, and, okay. Uh, like I think people reporting that like Best Buys are out of copy. I mean, part of that might be because they you know retailers ordered low because right. they, you wouldn't really expect this game to be a big seller. Yeah. But the advertising blitz seems to have done something. So we'll see. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, I wonder when we'll see the next game from these guys. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's going to be... It won't actually be Japan Studio. Right. It'll be... It'll be Ueda's new... Ueda's new thing. Um, which just seems like an indie studio, so who knows if we'll ever see a game of this scope from them again. Yeah. Unless they do Although another I've, deal with Sony, and Sony handles all the engineering and all that part yeah. of it. Although, I, you know, while this and uh, maybe Colossus are a little beyond that scope, like, I don't think Eco is beyond, like, an indie game scope these days. Yeah, it's like, not. We, we see stuff like that. I mean, it's also regularly. really short, which... Yeah. Four, I mean, if that really game. is like an indie game today. Yeah, that's that's kind of where how the, that's a, a good kind of focal point to see how the industry has shifted, and also mm -hmm. to see you know how much easier it is to make games now because the middleware is so good. It's like all drag and drop and cut and paste, and it's much easier for developers to create games of that nature now. Especially if you don't have to, if you're not doing a ton of cinemas, because 
that's kind of been the the separator between indie games and big budget games. Mm-hmm. Indie games like generally don't have cinemas. It's always like the stills with mm-hmm. the word bubbles and like if anything, it's just like a character just like flailing while like the voice and like the there's no lip syncing. That seems to be kind of like one of the break lines for the indie versus big budget games. Um, and that, you know, Eco didn't really have any voice acting or much. It in- did, but it was all uh, that the made up language, pretty right. much. Yeah, which they put in like a generator and crank it. It's like the old rare thing with like Banjo Kazooie. It's like it's not that they record somebody saying all oh, yeah, that they stuff. Did. Really? In Eco? Yeah. That's really? all. That's people speaking a made-up language, like a phonetic made-up language. In so it's not like the jumbled stuff that like a lot no. of games use, where no, they no, just no. record some syllables and then just throw it into an algorithm. And... Not, not as I understand it. No. Really? That's crazy. Like that was all like the the queen and him and all. Like, that's all like actually recorded. Interesting dialogue. And in fact, I I can't remember. It's just like Panzer Dragoon. They did that with Panzer Dragoon Saga as well. Like every like the first the first big cinema in Panzer Dragoon Saga is all in this made-up like fantasy Germanic language, and then uh, after the gameplay starts, it switches to Japanese. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it's that kind of, like, weird fantasy-ish, dragon-y uh, uh, future, but post-apocalyptic kind of ruins everywhere, Mobius-influenced, uh, like, game thing seems to really be into the let's make up a language and have them pronounce it phonetically. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if Eco ever switches back to normal Jap- like Japanese, but I think it was all done in like their made-up Ecoese language. Just like, uh, well, was Shadow of the Colossus in Japanese or that weird language? I can't remember. I think it was just in Japanese. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't think it had its own language. Mm. So the big question I'm sure everyone's going to ask, and I'll just answer this now so you don't have to ask it at the end of the show during our Q&A section. Should you buy this? And if so, what should you pay for it? Um, I would say if you're a fan of the prior games, buy it at full price. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be pissed off at certain points, and it's going to get aggravating. I would probably recommend you're lucky, because when you play it, there's going to be strategy guides and mm. stuff out floating out there. And you'll be, if you get really stuck, you can just go look for the answer, uh, which I think will make the enjoyment of this game way more. I think, pe- I think people actually should play this with a guide. I might, Don't lean I might on do it. that too. Yeah, but I like, might do that just to find out if what I'm doing is the correct thing and Trico's just not cooperating or yeah. if I'm actually totally up, I'm, I'm, you know, barking up the wrong tree, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, don't ruin the whole experience by just following the guide and doing what the guide tells yeah. you. Play if the, I get stuck for 10 minutes, I'm going right, to look it up. Play the game, and if you're like, I've tried everything, I don't know what's going on here, then check the guide. Because mm. um, sometimes it's as simple as like, oh, you know, when I figured things out, it was as simple as like, Oh, when I turned around this time, the camera shifted up like a, like an extra two degrees, and, and I saw the you, thing right? I was supposed to be climbing at or yeah. looking for. That, that type of stuff happens a lot in this game. Um, if you're not a huge fan of Shadow of the Colossus or Eco and the development studio in general, I'd probably pay forty bucks for this game. Um, I think even people who aren't fans of those other games will find a lot to enjoy. And again, I would recommend playing it with a guide. Don't lean on it; just uh, use it when you really need it. Um, but like I said, if you're, if you're the type of person who is kind of growing tired of the glut of sequels that we're getting every year, this is something different and something unique. And, uh, I think everyone will find at least a little bit... And that kid's got grip strength. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Got the strongest hands in the world. So, that's it. I can't believe I just spoke about The Last Guardian for the last time. Yeah, what are we waiting for now? We got this, Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. I guess we're just waiting for Half-Life episode Half-Life that's 2 all episode 3 now, at this point. Of the Half-Life mythical 3. games that have been like 10 years or more in, yeah. in waiting. Would you rather have Half-Life 2 episode 3 or just straight up Half-Life 3? 
Half-Life 3. Yeah. yeah. Presumably continuing on the cliffhanger of Episode 2. Yeah, right. And just yeah. ignore that yeah. they were going to do Episode 3 and just go straight into Half-Life 3 and kick it off there. I mean, yeah. really short-sighted for them to end Episode 2 on the cliffhanger. Yeah, you probably want... I mean, that's kind of part... I mean, it makes no sense, but that's one of the reasons I wait for these episodic games to be totally out yeah. before I jump on them. Yeah. Which Batman will be in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Batman, the final episode of 13th. season one. I'm assuming they're going to do another yeah, season. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure there will be another season. I wonder how financially successful that's been. And then The Walking Dead comes up. I'm actually really excited for that. The next season of The Walking Dead. Yeah? Yeah. Did you not enjoy Telltale's Walking Dead? I like the first one, okay. But again, I don't particularly care about that property anymore. Yeah. And... Uh, as we will as we will talk about when we get to Dead Rising Four, like I am so tired of zombies. Like I know that the point of Walking Dead isn't really the zombies, yeah. But it's just like it's not a compelling setting to me anymore. Gotcha. All right, that's it. My last impressions of the Last Guardian. Never thought I'd ever see this day come. Let's move along. We're going to talk about a VR game called Arizona Sunshine. Speaking of zombies, mm-hmm. it's a uh, first-person zombie. Shooting gallery essentially mm. for Vive and Oculus. Um, the game came out. It's like the top seller on Steam right now. Uh, it seems to be doing pretty well. This, I might add, hot on the heels of a major developer announcing yesterday that there's no money in making VR games, <laughs> and that the only way you can afford to make VR games is if the platform holder subsidizes like the development. Yeah. Which is why so many VR games are exclusive to one platform or another, because that's where all the software is coming from. Yep. Uh, so this game came out. It actually sold well. Um, it's not an exclusive, so it kind of throws a little bit of a wrench into that statement. One of the first Oculus Touch games to come out as well, um, which is a big deal if you're a Rift owner. Um, doesn't seem like it uses room scale all that much. Yeah, it probably just handles it because you can't if you're Oculus. So it's probably just... You know, you stand up and it does its best. Yeah. But, so so the rub with this game, though, is that people bought it and they're playing it, they're enjoying it, they're leaving positive reviews on Steam, and then someone suddenly figures out that they could not play the single-player horde mode. And they're like, what the hell's going on here? Why can't I play this? This mode is not supposed to be DLC. It's supposed to be available at launch. What's going on? They reach out to the studio about this, and the studio says, oh, we've decided to lock that feature to people who only have i7 processors because we have a partnership with Intel. Mm. Matt, have you ever heard of anything like this? Uh, I heard it brought up as a reason not to do the Oculus Rift like walled garden thing because no one does it. Right. But that's I, that's amazing. That is insane. As an owner of an Intel i7 processor, uh, that's bullshit. Like that is dirty. That is some dirty pool right there. I mean, like even if you let me know ahead of time, I still think that's dirty. Well, I think like, if, there's no reason. I mean, if it won't run on it, fine. But if you're just locking it for no reason, come on. Well, there's no way. They're going to tell you beforehand. Of course not. Because that'll keep people from buying it. Because the way the internet is, it completely overreacts to everything. Right. So even though there's this one little mode that a lot of people probably would never play, I'd just play the idea that, well, oh my god, they're t- keeping something from me because I have an i5. Yeah, well, a lot of people would just be like, screw you, I'm not buying your game. I don't blame them for that. I mean, do, do I pay a lower price if I have an i5 because I don't get as much stuff in the game? Probably not. No, the cost is the same. It's, it's just like that's not how PC games work. It's like you know, I don't have to worry. I mean, outside of specific, you know, 
you know, hair tress or whatever. I don't have to worry whether my this game will work on my Nvidia card or my, you know, on my, on my Radeon. It doesn't. That's not how it works. Like that's never been a thing in PC. It's like the the you choose your pieces however you want, and it'll all run as long as the power levels are up to spec. Like that's why would you want to mess with that? Like that's the strength of the platform, really. Yeah. I mean, this is just another thing that happens in PC gaming that just r- rarely happens in con- on consoles. Like, I've gone through waves of my life playing PC games. Like, I my early life, all I played was consoles. Like, up until I was, I don't know, maybe... I mean, I played PCs here and there. I had, like, an Apple IIe and a Commodore 64. I mean, I don't even know if those, those were more, like, consoles to me, really, than PCs, but... And I, never, I, had, I never used a Commodore 64 for anything other than games, that's for sure. Yeah, and then I had, like, buddies who would have PCs, and I'd hang out with them and play PC games at their place. But I went through a long stretch where I only played console games. And then, I guess right around... Right around when the Voodoo 2 card came out, I bought a, a PC and bought a Voodoo 2 card, and I got hardcore into PC gaming. Because we were in the PlayStation, N64 era then, Dreamcast was just about to come out. And then... The leap from consoles to PC was so extreme. I mean, it was, like, mind-blowing what you could do on PC with a Voodoo 2 versus what we were getting with the N64 and the PlayStation then. And so I dove into PC gaming there for a huge period. And then I moved out to California, and I started working at GameSpot, Mm. and they were all big PC gamers, and so I kind of stuck with it. And then over time, I think right around when I started working at Tech TV with you, before it became merged with G4... I started going back to consoles again. Mm. Like, my PC at that point had become outdated, the one that I had bought, like, a few years prior. I didn't want to spend money to update it. All I was using it for was, like, writing reviews and scripts and things like that and surfing the internet. So I didn't want to invest the money. I was also dirt poor, I might add. I didn't want to invest the money into a PC that I felt like I wasn't going to use. We weren't doing a lot of PC games on the show. Mm. And so I went through this long period where I played console games again. And now, over the last three or four years, I've kind of gotten back into, into PC gaming again. I got a, a GTX 1080, and that made a big difference for me. That got me back into it. But now that I've been back into PC gaming for a couple years, like, it's really just gotten to a place where I realize why I've never stuck with it. Because it's just kind of a pain in the ass. Like, mm-hmm. there's just all these little anomalies that come up. It doesn't work with this card, or there's these drivers, or you got to roll back the drivers. Or, and then you start seeing crap like this. It's just like... Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of deterrence to PC yeah, gaming. There's a lot. I mean, it's like the price you pay for, you know, a superior visual experience. But like, there's been a lot of times where I'm just like, you know what? If I just had the console version of this, I could just put it in the fucking machine and I'd be playing now. But look, I'm not completely happy with console gaming anymore no. because I hate how with console gaming you get a game and you have to wait like three hours to freaking play. You buy the disc version. Oh, it took forever. I. When and I got, you have to wait to play the game. It's I got so Dead idiotic. Rising 4 on, a, on the disc, and I put it in, and it had to install 22 gigs, and I had to download 12. It's insane. And What's went, the point of the disc? I went and played No Man's Sky on PC for like 20 minutes while it did that. And I'm like, why? There's, like, well, no point for, there's no point in game discs anymore. Well, the point in game discs is to be able to trade it in, which is why everybody screamed and yelled when, you know, because that was the whole point, was like, it, you know, PS4 and Xbox One install the whole game. Like, there's nothing yeah. on the disc. They, and the whole point of the it's old Xbox... Well, the Xbox One thing was to get you know to get rid of the disc. To be like you know that's you install it off the disc, you're right. done. That's it. You own the game, and you, but everybody screamed and yelled, and now we're stuck with these discs still. And this, it's important for people who need to be able to trade things in. But you know, I mean, the disc is just you're become still stuck a key. with that disc. That's yeah, all it is. Yeah, the disc is just to it's prove just a you, it's dongle. like old PC. It's old old PC game. Put the disc in if you want to play the game, even though the whole thing's installed to your hard drive. 
That's just how everything was. Except on PC, you could crack it so you didn't need to do that. Right. And I still don't really understand the logic behind that. Behind why do... If, if somebody can download the digital version and just play it off their hard drive, mm-hmm. why, after I've installed the game off the disc, why can't I just play the game without the frickin' disc? Be- because then you could just trade the disc in, get your money back, and still play the game. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's, that's why. Point. I mean, that's why you weren't. the discs were going to become useless in the old Xbox One DRM scheme. Right. was because, you know, basically it became a coaster after you installed it because now you own that game and that was it. And it was permanently on your account yeah. or whatever. Yeah, which kind of begged the question of, like, why do you even want a disc? Because it's basically the same as download- getting a digital version except now you have a disc. <laughs> and, like, and that's why everybody freaked out because, like, the used game market is still a thing. And that'll, that'll shrink and go away as time goes on. But what, it wasn't ready yet. This generation is not when that's going to happen. Yeah. So... I still PC game. I mean, I, what I do with PC gaming is I tend to find, like, a few games that I really get into. Like, I've been playing a lot of Civ. I still play a lot of League of Legends. Like, mm. I still play, like, Total War Warhammer when I get a few minutes here and there. There's a game with overpriced DLC. It is, yeah. But I uh, I find a few games, and when I have a few minutes here and there, I just jump in and play them for a little bit. But mm. I never really ever, unless I get code for review from a publisher, I never actively play the PC version hmm. for... Even though my GTX 1080 will blow away my PlayStation 4 and my Xbox One, it's like, there's just always a hassle. There's See, always, I, it's like, I tried to review, or I did start reviewing uh, Telltale's Batman. I got the first episode, played fine. Did the game eval. The next episode comes out, Telltale sends me the code for it. Put the code in, go to the screen where you can choose your episodes, it just won't, the new episode won't highlight. Yeah, I don't know if I... Contact Telltale, they can't figure it out. I go I, I go on, like, the Facebook reviewers group. There, there's, like, ten guys there saying they're having the same problem. I don't know if I'd blame PC gaming for that so much as Telltale. Yeah. Telltale tends to have amazing screw-ups on every platform uh, at all times. I'm just saying, it just seems like that kind of stuff always happens with PC gaming. I've never PC run into gaming. stuff like that. My problem with PC ga- my problems with PC games, on at least over the last couple of years, have all been optimization stuff or broken shaders or... Uh, or just won't the, run. The update of the Nvidia's update like broke Battlefield One. You know, uh, I had to roll it back and then it played fine. Uh, it was it's like you know they they do a lot of weird things. I think you know I had some dev friends say that like there's kind of a difference in how people are treating shaders now. It used to be like you want a big big thing and now it's more little things or maybe it's the other way around. I don't remember. But basically like sometimes the drivers don't take stuff like that into account. If you're mixing and matching, it can be a problem. That was apparently what my problem was with Dishonored 2, where anything with reflections in it would tank the frame rate down to 30 frames a second. Um, I will still usually choose the PC version of something in general. I did not do that with Dead Rising 4 this week because... uh, Well, you get to play anywhere. Does it work for Dead Rising 4? Not with a disc. Oh, okay. Um, So I could have done that, but uh, A, the PC version apparently is a disaster, judging by the Windows Store reviews. Uh, and B, I wanted to be able to trade that fucker in because <laughs> I didn't want to play Dead Rising 4, and basically I only did it for the show. One last question before we move on. Do you think that the developers of Arizona Sunshine did this on purpose for publicity? Oh, as in like they came up with this as like a way to get noticed? Like my instinct would be no, but I'm not going to say not possible. I mean, right Maybe. now, think about it. With VR games especially, especially a zombie shooter in VR, 
it is so easy to just get buried. And for you to release your game and nobody to even know that it ever came out because there's 8,000 so other what, zombie mean, shooting galleries. But I definitely knew about this game before this happened. Or Sifted, probably, because we've curated a ton of content so for I'd seen, I'd seen it talked about on Gaff and on Twitter a little bit. Yeah. And I think they showed it. At, it was an E3 thing. I mean, I definitely was aware of it. Uh, I'm not saying I cared. Were you aware <laughs> that it came out? Uh, no. See? Although, to be fair, uh, I think uh, Steam does a terrible job of letting you know when VR stuff comes out. Right, that's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. It's, that's another reason why they may have done this. They're like, Steam's not going to help us. They probably looked at like their trailer views on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We're like, no one's watching our trailers. It's all conjecture. But. That seems counterproductive. I mean, Really? I well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've heard of it now, but I don't want to nope. buy it. It's the it's whole, like, any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, I don't really necessarily buy that when, when you're selling a product. Yeah. I, I think that's probably true if you're like trying to be a celebrity or trying to like make people aware of your show. Trying sh- to be famous make, for being yeah, famous? Yeah, make people aware <laughs> of your show. Or make, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, but like... If you're trying to make people spend their money to buy a thing you're putting out, like it's probably not a good idea to piss off like half the user base. Yeah. Because really, there's not a lot of difference between an, an i5 and an i7 when it comes to VR right now. Like, no, you're if right. You, if, yeah. It's just it's an arbit. It's just totally arbit. Which like I guess. But, ar- so here's the thing. It's like, an arbitrary decision, which I guess lends credence to your theory about that it's a stunt. But like that doesn't seem like a stunt that I want, especially in a year where No Man's Sky has uh, t- you know taught that like yeah you're gonna face some shit if you screw over your customers. Yeah. Like I wouldn't want to be. Par- I wouldn't want to be. If I was the Arizona Sunshine developer, I wouldn't want to be mentioned in the same sentence as Hello Games at the end of the year, basically, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, and I point. feel like this is going to put you in that category. Well, you just did that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's what you just did. Except I don't know what, who the developer of Arizona Sunshine is, so I didn't mention yeah. them by name. So, right, good right. job with the publicity. I don't know. Like, well, they also said that, like, uh, the you reason... want to stand out, maybe don't make another damn zombie game. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's the better point, actually. But they also said that they had shown this mode off and kind of promoted it with an i7 mm-hmm. and that they wanted this bullcrap like their whole excuse oh, yeah, i mean i read the I, I don't i don't believe it i don't believe it i mean the, the cuz it runs fine on yeah, i5 the difference in performance is just not is not pronounced enough for yeah. that to have been an issue you're like right. I, it's just an i mean maybe it is a marketing tie in with it with but it's like you're screwing over your like your own customers when you do that so why would you even do that intel like, well I, they reverted really quickly well good <laughs> they literally within like i think 4 hours they're but like yeah, okay we unlocked it for let's everybody let's not bring arbitrary like exclusivity shit to pc gaming but let's be honest is. here it did work because other than the few publications that have actually reviewed this, which literally there's like three, mm-hmm. and its launch trailer, which came and went, and no one really paid attention to it, this game comes out, and now it's got a story on every frickin' site. Mm-hmm. Every one. And the fact that a lot of those articles, they put it up at first, talking about what we're talking about, and then they went and amended it with, like, update, they fixed it, it's not a problem anymore. A lot of people probably stumbled across that story after the developers had already reverted and said it's available. So... They're reaching those people. They don't necessarily look like the bad guy as much as they did before. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, they ain't getting it's my possible. money. Yeah, you're not going to buy it. No. Not a, like, I don't even care if they fixed it. Like That is not acceptable to me. And I do not need another damn zombie horde mode on VR. Did you so get I'm... Oculus Touch? No, I don't have an Oculus. Oh, that's right. That's right. You never got one. I thought for a second you did get one. I don't one. need one. I have a Vive. Right. Uh, so I will just play the Brookhaven experiment again. And right. Call it a day. Yep. Except I won't, because I don't care about zombie games. <laughs> but, 
But I, I, that's, I mean... This is the first time I've ever heard of a developer doing this, by the way. Oh, yeah. I can't think of another one. And like hopefully that. it never happens again. No. I mean, maybe there was something way back in the day. I mean, I'm sure there was, like... I've heard... Like, there was kind of stuff like that with graphics cards. You know, there's, like, a... Vo- oh, you know, runs best on Voodoo or whatever, you know, back They've done the, that before, yeah. But it's, like, in terms of, like, I mean, the they CPU... Still do that. Like that, I mean, besides, like, oh, minimum spec versus recommended spec, right. is, I've never heard of, like, we're going to lock a mode out. Especially when everybody knows that the mode works on the weaker processor. Yeah. Crazy. All right, let's move along. Jeff Keighley got some good news this week. The audience for the Game Awards was up 65% over last year. Um, No matter what metrics you're using, 65% increase is really good news. The flip side of this is I think the distribution for the show was like a hundredfold because it made it went out to China. They had mm. Jeff had worked out that deal with Tencent and uh, more of an international like event. Yeah, event. the distribution was way bigger this year as far as like the platforms that it was on. Basically, the, basically where you could watch it. Right. Yeah. So it was accessible by way more than an extra sixty-five percent mm. of people, but. 65% increase is pretty good. Um, the big pretty question good. then becomes, you know, how many of those people were actually monetized? Right. Because, you know, who cares how many people are watching if you're not making money off the people that are watching? Right. It doesn't make a difference. It may help with your in-show sponsorships, which means yeah, that I mean, there could be even more of the shit guy in next year's show. Oh, I just triple down and call them the shickies yeah. from now on. <laughs> I, I think that's your name for these awards, the shickies. Just make them the razor robot. Yeah, right, right. And they could also get the, the sponsorship money they could get for doing that. Oh, It could pay for the whole production. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll pay for the whole production. Go all in. Like, you would I'm not saying. believe, I can't disclose this, but the exact numbers, but you would not believe how much sponsors paid for stuff in the VGAs. I would believe it. Yeah, I don't think you would. I think I would. I, don't I think, think I know some of it already. Really? Yeah. I mean, that... Like, they used to have the Mountain Dew fan-voted mm-hmm. category. You would not believe how much money Mountain Dew paid for that. Well, I've heard some figures. I don't know if they were accurate, but they were big. I, I can't share them. Um, but they're, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. And all we had to do was put up a poll on the website and then create one video where we went through all the nominees mm-hmm. and explained why they were a nominee. I mean, just the amount of money we got on, on X-Play for doing the Mountain Dew-sponsored... Uh, uh, strategy segments with T squared like that. I mean, yeah. I blew my mind how yeah. much they're willing to pay. For. I'm like, there's no way this is worth what you're paying. But they, they do. They three do mentions it. in the show, three bump outs. So there's twenty or thirty bump mm-hmm. outs throughout an award that's, show. That's actually why I always thought it was. I mean, I get why people don't like the whole marketing time Mountain Dew Dorito Pope thing yeah. that they did. But I always thought that was disin. I always felt bad for him on the, the Dorito Pope thing. While I did think it was funny. Um, but we did the exact same thing. Everybody does. Show. That's like how we, you survive. We had the exact same deals with Doritos and Mountain Dew around the time of Call of Duty for the strategy segments and all that stuff. We just didn't get called out on it the way he did because he was more high profile. Yeah. Well, he also doesn't review games. Well, right. He's not a journalist. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's a marketing tie-in. I don't even guy know what whatever. you would I don't know what you call Jeff. He's a he's a presenter. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a show producer, obviously. Yeah, he's a he's a showman. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the showman, (laughs) showman Jeff Keeley. Yeah, Uh, but I'm really happy for Jeff. I mean, I was kind of wondering if this was going to happen again. You know, he's publicly he's put on a really positive spin on the Mm -hmm. show, and you know, on social media, he's been really positive about the response. I mean, a 65 percent increase is nothing to sneeze at in any situation. In any, I'm just saying for any, and it's going to be a big deal for him getting sponsorship for next year's show, which will keep it on the air, and that's what you want. I mean, I know he was disappointed that more people don't show up in person, 
But I mean, he just needs to shrink the room. Right. There's okay. no reason. I mean, he's spending so much money for this room too. It's like he can save money on the room, and the show will look more fun yeah. and alive if yeah. he just shrinks the room a bit. And there's a place in LA Live. Half a block away, where yeah. you can go and do you it. You don't even have to really move the venue. Yeah, you just it's, to... everyone. Yeah, everyone knows to go to that LA Live area for the show already. They can still go there. I mean, mm-hmm. look, it's where Nintendo did its press conference like twice. Like, yeah, that's big enough for your award show. Big enough for Nintendo's. Big enough for the shickies. <laughs> Seriously, so I'm keep calling them that until yeah. it happens. Yeah, so really happy for Jeff uh, to see that it's ultimately working out okay for him. Um, I think now that you kind of see these numbers, you can it's a pretty safe bet that they will be coming back next year. I would think so. Hopefully, he takes all the constructive criticism and uh, feedback to heart. And uh, it, it seemed like he did not do that last year because yeah. <laughs> the show kind of reverted back a little bit. Yeah. But... Well, I mean, also like that, I don't think there was a ton of constructive criticism of last year's show because most people just said, "Yeah, I think that's on the right track." Yeah, and then like it kind of regressed this year for yeah. reasons that I, for reasons that were probably financial that he had no control over. So you know we'll see how it, how it happens this time. Yeah, next I time. mean you look every time you do a big project like this, you learn a ton of stuff. Um, it's impossible not to, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he'll. I think he will take people's sort of feedback to heart, yeah. and he'll do his best to kind of get it to a place where most of the people who watch it will enjoy watching it again next year. So we'll see. But congratulations to Jeff for now. Uh, really happy for him and proud of him. He's done a great job with that award show. It's never easy starting something from nothing, people. I know everyone wants to rag on Jeff about his award show, and they don't like this, they don't like that. Well, you try starting something. Yeah. Like, it isn't easy, man. There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of times when you're by just, yourself busting your ass and there's nobody there to say great job and, you're, and mm-hmm. we're proud of you or any of that, it's like... You have to have a vision, you have to have a drive, you have to be dedicated to it. I just say focus a little there's more no, on the There's awards. no applause for that. Like, I say focus a little more on the awards than yeah. anything else next time. And I would say if you're, you know, criticizing the Game Awards, uh, make sure you watch the stream of the Dice Awards in, I guess that would be January. Is that January or early February this year? February. So yeah, make sure you watch the stream of the Dice Awards, because that's basically like a straight-up award show, uh, you, know, and a, you know, an Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences awarding its peers for recognition. And, uh, you know, that's a straight award show with no frills, no nothing, and see if you think that's more interesting. Than yeah, I'd be interested to see how awards. long people last before. Because I mean, I've, I've been to a lot of those award shows in person, and I've watched them on various things, and I think they're interesting because I like to see, you know, that kind of, you know, recognition among one's peers is is, is a, a valuable thing, and it's it's you know kind of a body that watchdogs achievement in the industry, and it's cool. But do I think like millions of people would tune in to watch it? No, because you have no. to care about this industry on a level that most people simply do not. The other part of it too, Matt, uh, both the Dice Awards and the GDC Awards, people are like hammered. Like, you, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Like, you go there, there's an open bar, everybody oh, yeah. gets like crap face drunk, and then they're like, let's start the show, and everybody goes in, everyone's like all hyped up and drunk mm. and... That's being, great. Right. Being there is a lot different than sitting on a computer or sitting on your oh, yeah. couch and watching it. Like, we're there, we're drunk, we're having fun with all our colleagues, we're cracking jokes, we're... But every once in a while, one of those drunk colleagues gets up and accepts an award, and that's when it's all worth it. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's different for us, because we're there and we're a part of the party. No, I'm saying they're fun when they're drunk on stage. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because that's also part of award shows. And, in fact, there were several game shows in the 70s that were entirely based around that. Right. Um... How about that? How about we do an award show that's based around the format of the match game PM? <laughs> you ever see that old game? Show? I haven't, no. It's like it's the match game, but it was prime time and it was 
basically shot at the end of the day with whoever was able to show up and they basically had an open bar at craft services and like oh. if you watch match game pm on like the game show network everyone's blitzed at wow. all times it's amazing <laughs> it's fantastic it's the only thing so i ever watched on the game show network is that game show that kevin Pereira hosts Oh, yeah. Oh, and I saw... He's on that network all the time. He's on that network all the time. And he's also... Um, I don't know what show he's doing, but I, I was watching True TV this week on December 7th because they had a big Pearl Harbor uh, programming day. Uh-huh. And their, the True TV like uh, promo thing has Pereira. Kevin's on it. Really? Kevin's like dancing around in like a gold lame jacket. And it doesn't say what show he's doing. Huh. Um, it's like him and like, and like Adam from Adam Ruins Everything. All those, like all their hosts yeah. for all their shows this, this year are like dancing around. And he's on it. And I don't know what he was doing, what he's, what he's doing on it. But apparently, Kevin Pereira is a true TV show, if you want to go look that up. Good to see our boy doing big things. Yeah. So, once again, congrats, Jeff. Can't wait to see what you do with it next year. Let's move along. So, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned about how I was maybe feeling a little guilty about recommending PlayStation VR so vehemently. Because I had noticed that I had stopped using it. Uh, it started making me sick. And honestly, that has kind of been the deterrent. Because the last time I really sat down and played it, like, I got really sick, man. And so I would, like, sit down at the end of the night and I'd be like, okay, I have this game that I need to play for an eval. Or I have my PlayStation VR sitting here that I would just play for fun, basically. And inevitably, I might, subconsciously, my brain would say, hey, that made you sick the last time. Let's not mess around with that thing. So I just kind of sat there for weeks not really getting played. Uh, now that we've kind of got through, like, all the big releases of the year... Uh, Ubisoft released one of its its second VR game for PlayStation VR. It released Eagle Flight last week. Mm. Uh, this week, they released Werewolves Within. And as you know, I've mentioned before, I'm okay in VR when I'm sitting still. It's when I'm moving that it really gets me. And as a, as a side note, I tried to play the Resident Evil 7 demo, the updated demo in VR, and again, exactly at the 10-minute mark, I got deathly ill. I started burping, I started getting nauseous, like I was going to puke, I had to take it off, and I ate like lunch and like drank like two things of water, and I started feeling bad. Like that's how bad it gets me, Matt. Wow. And like in... See, I played uh, the the Battlefront VR thing three times today, and then I took it off and was hungry and had brownies and milk. (laughs) I am am a different brain chemistry, I guess. And Resident Evil does the same thing, where you can set the camera so you can do it like a pizza pie, or Mm. it's, or smooth. And what I found is if the camera is moving left or right while I'm moving forward, that's what kills me. Hmm. Like, if I don't touch the right stick and just use the left stick and strafe and move forward and backwards, I'm fine. Hmm. It's really weird. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't, know if, I don't think I'm going to be able to get over it either. It really sucks. Because before that, I was completely terrified playing Resident Evil 7 in VR. <laughs> that game is going to freak people out. It's just, I'm going to have to play it in 2D, man. Like, I'm really disappointed in that. But anyway, another tangent as I'm known to get off on. I, I, I looked at Werewolf, Werewolf Within, and I was like, oh, well, this is a game where you just sit still. It's, got, it's kind of a strategy, like, board game, social yeah, it's game. A, it's based on a card game, yeah. Yeah. Which and, I like. I like the card game a lot. Yeah, and so I contacted Ubisoft, and uh, I was like, hey, would you mind tossing me a code for this? And they're like, no problem. They gave me one. I love this game. Mm-hmm. I... Love this game. It is the most fun I've had playing VR. And one thing I'll say, too, while I was playing it is, like, I can see why Matt is really excited for Star Trek Bridge Crew. Yeah. Yeah, it's a similar kind of thing. It really is. Like, it is... 
So you can see in terms of like kind of the interaction with other people in the VR space, it's it's insane. Like the crazy thing about this game is like I don't know if they put it on like a really slight delay or whatever, but as you speak and the other people sitting in the circle speak, the mouse Mm -hmm. animate and match what they're saying. Yeah, Star Trek's like that too. Not only that, like the hands. Yes, it's really intelligent about how Mm -hmm. it emotes. It's like. In this game, a big part of it is, like, talking to the person next to you. Like, you whisper to each other, and then the other people in the circle can't hear what you're saying. And, like, you use that to throw people off. I guess I should rewind and, and say this game is basically about people sitting in a circle around a campfire trying to figure out who among them is a werewolf. And the werewolves are disguised as other humans. And so it's like there's different classes that you can play as. Like, there's one class where you can choose one of the other people, and it'll show you 50-50 whether they're a class or a werewolf. And it's just all about playing as these different classes and conversing with each other to try to fetter out who exactly is the werewolf. And so you can whisper to the person next to you. and Or you can just, like, there was one time I said something like, this guy, and I was looking at the guy, and the game automatically points at him. Hmm. Like, it is crazy, like, all the little stuff that it, it freaks me. It freaked me out at first. Like, it was nuts. I was like... This is awesome. And, like, certain words, I think, trigger animations. Like, you can fire off your own emotes as well using the D-pad. Like, you can select four from a bank of emotes that you can just use whatever you want. But the game automatically will emote. And, like, you can stand up. So if you have something that you want to address the group, like, you'll stand up and, like, address the group. And then, like, you get a lot more, the animations get a lot more demonstrative. It's, it's crazy, too. It's like a nutty social experiment because if you play with people who haven't played before, they're scared. So they get in, they won't say anything. And generally, when people don't say much, you assume they're the werewolf because how the game always starts is they go around the circle and you tell everybody who you are, what you are. And if you're a werewolf, obviously you need to lie and say you're something else. And so if people refuse to say what they are or if they're quiet throughout the whole game, everybody's like, oh, you're the werewolf. And it's just, it's this crazy, like, social experiment where it's almost a little bit like the election. Like, how you can influence people and kind of create this mob mentality to go against somebody else in the circle. Because a a big part of it is, is if you're the werewolf, you want to try to convince everyone else in the circle that somebody else is the werewolf. But if you do it too overtly... Then people are like, oh, you're trying too hard. You're the freaking werewolf. It's just this crazy mind game that you play. And I have had a blast playing this. I don't get sick at all because you're sitting still the whole time. Um, and I've just really, really enjoyed it. It's for, available for PlayStation VR, uh, Oculus. I'm not sure if it's available for Vive yet, though. I'm sure it's coming. Um, it has issues, and I'll, I'll mention those before we kind of move on. The matchmaking's terrible. There really is no matchmaking in the game at all. Um, you can start your own game, and you'll sit there for forever, and no one will ever join. You give up, you go to join a game, and you'll get put into a game where there's like five people in queue. But you don't know how many people are in queue. So you have to sit there hmm. and watch everybody else play, hoping that you're the next one in. And so that game will end, somebody will drop, and if there's someone in front of you, they get into the game first. It's, it's awful. There's an, how do we not have this figured out already? I don't know. It is terrible. It's We've been com- doing online games for a while. Yep. There's also a glitch where if you have a group and somebody leaves and then somebody comes in from the queue, their mic doesn't work. And if the mic doesn't work, you have to basically kick the person out. Because if they can't talk, there's no point in playing the game. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's worthless. So you have to boot them out if that happens. And it turns into this weird thing. There's also one class called the Saint. 
And the saint has to pray and look at the ground. And if you look at the ground, a little meter fills up, and then it gives you the ability to see the classes of other players. Well, the problem is, like, you can, Blake, because it tracks your head, you can tell who the saint is because they look down at the ground for like 10 seconds, like mm. waiting for the meter to fill up. So what the players of this game have done is it's become this unwritten rule where when the game starts, everybody looks down for 10 seconds. And like people will make mm. funny prayers and stuff like It's funny and fun. But it's just stupid that like Ubisoft didn't realize this and did and build it into the game this way. And there's another one who has to stare up at the sky. It's a class called the Astrologer. So if you see someone who's like constantly looking up at the sky, you're like, that's the astrologer. The flip side of that is... The werewolf can do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so you can throw people off doing that. But other than that, I've had a blast with this game. It's really fun. The graphics are eh. Like, the, the, probably the, the majority of the polygons have gone into the characters, which makes sense. Mm. But I'm not a big fan of the art style. Some of the characters are, like, insanely ugly. Um, but it's... It's a lot of fun. It's something completely different. It's great use of VR. It's a social game. I have not run into a lot of people who are complete douchebags and just sit there and say dumb crap or try to grief the game or anything like that. I'll give it time. It'll happen eventually. (laughs) But I think right now, so many people are just in awe of how fun and how cool it is. They just want to learn how to play. And the people have been really cool about it. Like, when I first got in, like, people told me how to play and... They weren't just like screwing around with me to try to win the game or whatever. Mm. I've been really happy I with. I just want to pull that mouse cursor off the middle of the screen. <laughs> Driving me nuts. Well, when you play a game where you don't have to move or any or do anything, it's like the cursor's just going to sit there. But uh, <laughs> I've had a blast with it. I've had a lot. Oh, of fun. is this footage like directly from the game you're playing? No, this is from Ubisoft. This oh, footage. Okay. So. So Ubisoft left the pointer in their own yeah. footage. Wow. Yeah. So I recommend it. I think it's like 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've probably spent... <laughs> Werewolf just sitting there, yeah. hanging out, talking to people. Yeah. Well, that's the, you, don't, you can't see the werewolves until the game ends. Yeah. Because what happens... They're all just like, hey, I thought there would be like a cutscene where they eat everybody. But no. Uh-uh. Everyone, everyone just keeps talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is funny to see like the werewolves like emoting while the person who's is talking or whatever. Hope you got me. Because the way it works is, like, you have, like, a set amount of time where everyone just talks and tries to figure out who the werewolves are, and then everyone has to cast their vote for who they think the werewolf is. And it goes through this ceremonious thing where all the votes fly around, and, like, if people vote for you, this little slip of paper flies, like, right up into your face. Like, I've enjoyed it. I think it's, like, 15 bucks. Um, I've already got my... If I had paid for it, I've already got my money's worth out of it. I've had a blast playing it. It's something just like The Last Guardian, completely different, something you've never played before. And... As a bonus, I will say now I completely understand way more why you gave uh, Star Trek Bridge mm-hmm. Crew your Best of E3 award. Yeah, so. it's a similar kind of thing. And also, uh, I, w- I would say uh, if you like that, maybe keep an eye out for this thing that's hitting uh, PSVR next week called uh, I Expect You to Die. Yeah, it's kind Same of a similar that. social board mm-hmm. gamey type experience. Yeah. yeah, like escape room kind of thing. So. It's crazy though that like this... hopefully you can play it without getting sick. Yeah, 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 it, it depends. But it's crazy that this game has turned out to be, like, one of my favorite PlayStation VR games. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about VR on the show all that much. Um, but when I do come across something that I really enjoy, I want to share it with you guys. Because I know some of you guys did buy PlayStation VR. And it's kind of hard and to And VR really runs by word of chat. mouth right now. Yeah, it really it's, seems it's to be It's really important to share what you think is good. Because especially on, like, stuff like Vive, 
where it's just you know legions and legions of early access crap. Yeah. Like finding the gems, like it, you're, we're entirely relying on each other for that at this point, basically. And I have a feeling Ubisoft will patch this, and yeah. get, get the matchmaking yeah. fixed, and get the the mic bug fixed. Yeah. And... But it sounds like you had your Star Trek Bridge Crew experience. Yeah. So it was really fun. I, I'm really enjoying playing it. And uh, if any of you guys get it. It's, you know, friend me. I think we're, I'm friends with a lot of you guys already on PSN. Uh, but uh, let's get together and play some games. We'll try to fool each other. Let's move on. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> I love that image that we use of PewDiePie right and also, there. And on the... And <laughs> PewDiePie. Stare, and on the, stare into his eyes. And on the rundown, it just says PewDiePie is a jerk. <laughs> I think Shane has a particular angle on this story. There's Pewdie Lie <laughs> in the mortis. So do you know the story, Matt? What's going on with this? Yeah, he said that he was going to delete his account when he hit 50 million subscribers, and he did not. He did not. Yeah. Surprising nobody, by the yeah, way. Except like, for the hordes of preteens that follow him, yeah. who, were, who fell for it hook, line, and sinker. What the hell, dude? I don't know. Is this guy just like a narcissist who... Is it that he's a narcissist and he just needs attention constantly? Or is it that he was trying to use this to build his subscriber base? I, maybe he just knew it would work. For what, though? For what goal? To get to 50 million. To get to 50 million. <laughs> so you think it was just a ploy to just get, get more to subscribers? 50 million faster, sure. Why not? He, uh, he, he's trying to say it was a joke. That doesn't mean it. It reminds me of like people that are like you know like hit people in the face in like the ghetto with a pie, and they're like, "It was a prank." It was a prank. It's like, yeah, it's not going to help you right now, yeah. dude. Like, <laughs> I, like you think it was a prank, but the guy got hit with a, in the face with a pie doesn't care. Like yeah. all he knows is he got hit in the face with a pie. Yeah. So like it just it reminded me of it. It's like, oh, it's a joke. It's just like I don't think you know what a joke is then. Yeah, so he ended up deleting his secondary account, which still had like two million subscribers. Oh, that's how he made good. Yeah, he deleted, he deleted the secondary his, his secondary oh. account. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Dude, it's mind blowing that his secondary account had two million subscribers. Yeah, it's just a thing. It's just it, a thing it, I have. It's Whatever. Insane. Two million. It's it's funny too how this guy just messes with his users and his fans, and they just keep coming back for more. Like. The genesis, he says, of this whole thing was that he he feels like YouTube is just randomly deleting subscribers from his channel. That it's just like saying, you know, you don't want to follow PewDiePie anymore. <laughs> and, you know, we don't want that ad revenue from that video that you're going to... It makes no sense whatsoever. Like, none. It's... You know, Matt, I just think as time goes on, my chances of understanding the YouTube thing just dwindle by, like, the day, like... I don't know if anyone fully understands it, but there are people who are better at taking advantage of it than others. Yeah, I mean, you gotta hand it to him. He just worked all those people. Yeah. And they all are like, oh my gosh, don't go away. I'll subscribe, I'll subscribe. Like, you're a fool. If you care that much about him not going away, why aren't you already, already subscribed? subscribed? Yeah. Why would you think that this guy who makes 7 to $10 million a year off his YouTube channel would just delete it? That is not happening. I don't know. I mean, if he was smart enough to get to almost 50 million subscribers, he's smart enough to know you sure the hell are not deleting yeah. that YouTube channel. Like, it was so funny to me, too, because we never reported, we never curated the stories about him deleting the channel. Because I knew it. I'm like, this is all bull crap. He's right. just doing this for publicity. But every outlet ran it. And then once he <laughs> did not delete the channel, everyone ran it again. And then we ran mm -hmm. the story of him saying he was going to delete it, but then didn't delete it. So... 
I'm just blown away by the whole YouTube thing, man. I know I've said it on the show a bunch of times before, <laughs> but it just every month like something else happens, and it's like it's like these people are like Teflon. It's like T. Martin mm-hmm. gets caught doing that crazy scandal. He loses subscribers for like a week, and then everybody comes back and more. Like, and Pac says one thing about somebody on Factor Factor, and we lose like 300 subscribers. Which to us, when you have like 10,000, like you see it, you're like, yeah. oh. He pissed off the UK this week. Three p three hundred people unsubscribed to our channel because of it. Yep. Like when the Nintendo thing with Iwata happened, like I saw two hundred people leave. Like, and that's just like a little comment. But these YouTubers do stuff like this where they're completely manipulating their fans. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's what they want. That's what that's is what, that what it want. is. They want to be manipulated. They want to be. Paid attention to or pandered to? I don't. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't. I don't know what. I, don't, I mean, I will say I've watched some of PewDiePie's stuff, and like, you know, people that kind of dismiss him as like some like weirdo, like kind of hack that sort of like throws up these shitty videos. Like, but if you really watch them, they're like good. they're not for me. But like, he knows exactly what he wants these videos to be. He knows exactly who he wants to appeal to, and he does it every single time. And you can tell. He's very carefully editing them to look like they're very sloppily edited. Oh yeah, like like he is an exceptional editor. Or whoever edits these things for, I think he, he edited them for yeah. the longest time. I'm sure he's um, hired somebody. I'm sure there's someone now. he taught his st- his house style to or whatever. But like, I mean, yeah, he's. I guess he's annoying and stuff like. But like, I can't really have anything but respect for the guy. Yeah, yeah. In terms, no, he's, in terms he's, of look, what he's, he's built for we've himself. We've said it on the show before. He's a hard worker. He's really talented. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And again... Not for me. I can't but... watch most of his content. I have watched some that I actually did like and thought was funny. I'm not going to say I, mm. I dislike everything he does. Would I, but like, there's no what... denying that he knows that space. Oh, and yeah. he knows how to create content for that audience better than anyone. No question. No but question. that doesn't mean he needs to be a jerk. He needs to lie yeah. to, his, to his fans. The, the mob will decide. Yeah, And they've decided they don't care. I guess you're yeah. right. Yep. All right, let's move along. I guess we're going to talk about a game. Here's actually, Matt, here is an example of a game that has been awaited longer than The Last Guardian or Final Fantasy XV. MechWarrior 5 was announced this week. Not just announced with some little teaser trailer that shows a mech or what. Announced with like 18 minutes of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Are you a MechWarrior fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah, from way back in the day. I, I had the old... Um, I used, we had a, a store next to the um, comic shop I used to go to, and uh, uh, when I, I love I always loved giant robots, and when I saw uh, it was it was called Battle Droids yeah. back then, or, and uh, before they had to change it because Droid was owned by LucasArts or Lucasfilm, and um, that was when like that you had to like take the 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 mech cutout things and you had to paste them to a piece of cardboard which didn't come with it yeah. and cut them out right. around it like yeah. little standy things like I go way back I was I was a I have the old uh, manuals where they had all the stolen Robotech designs yeah. the Macross designs in them before they had to take them out I played the Apple IIe version of the Crescent Hawks Inception where you spend the entire game trying to everybody's driving the, the battle the, the, the Robotech uh, Macross mechs and then you have to, you're supposed to find the ones that actually transform from robot to plane, and that was what, you know that's what you're after. And you finally do it, and the game ends. You don't ever, you don't ever get to use them. But yeah, I go way back on on BattleTech and and MechWarrior stuff. I love MechWarrior. I, I'm very glad it's happening. That apparently happening. Soon, I figured this was going to be like oh MechWarrior because I saw like MechWarrior Five, and I'm like 
oh, well, I can't wait to play that in 2020, maybe. And it's like, no, nah, this thing looks pretty far yeah, along. Yeah, it's pretty far along. It is. It's under development by the uh, same studio that made MechWarrior Online. Mm-hmm. I think the last MechWarrior may have come out when I was working at GameSpot. It was definitely, yeah, because we had, like, the expansions laying around when I started at Tech TV. Like, yeah. Was, like, we, you know, they came on those single-disc expansion yeah. packs, like, you know, and, like, they were just everywhere at Tech TV. Like, because they sent so many of them, like, people were just using them as practically as coasters. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember all that stuff. I remember when we got it in for review at GameSpot, and Greg Kasavin was, like, beside himself. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, my God. Like, I think he actually left work early that day. To go home and start yeah. playing it. You've never seen a man more excited about heat sinks yeah. <laughs> than, than than a MechWarrior fan who just got a new game in his hands. Yeah. So, Matt, as a longtime fan, what are you looking for in this sequel? Uh, graphics that don't look like an Impressionist painting. Well, I think we're getting uh, so that I think already. I think we're there. Check. Uh, a goddamn simulation on the level of the old games. I don't want Mech Assault. I want MechWarrior. It looks uh, like you're getting that. It looks that. like that's I what mean, it is. It looks yeah, like it really a does. Pretty rigid sim. Um, and really, that's all I need. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see a campaign in addition to multiplayer. Well, they said obviously. that's all this is so, right now. Yeah, so that's what it is. It's campaign um, focused. It's not. I don't even know if they've announced that there's multiplayer at all. That would be weird if there wasn't any. Like at least. Well, they, like I a think from their perspective, they're like, we have MechWarrior Mech online. online. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they merge those products together. Because I think MechWarrior Online is a free-to-play game. Yeah. So maybe they just roll that into yeah, the code for MechWarrior 5. That could be. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, very exciting. It's a good, it's a, like we've said before, it's a good time to be a fan of giant robots. Uh, but this is, this is one of the granddaddies. What I love about MechWarrior versus what, a lot of other Mech years? games... years? Yes, it's insane, dude. It is insane. But what I love about MechWarrior is that it gets right that a lot of other... Mecha games don't get right is the scale. The scale like, and the you, weight. You can the, just yeah. tell like how huge. Look at the people down there. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of mech games don't have enough recognizable things in them to help you help give you kind of that mental scale. A lot of times, there's not a lot of humans on the ground. Human, a human being is like one of those subconscious scales of measurement that we all understand. It's like you see a person. Next to something, then you it, it scales it for you, so you realize how big it is. And like a lot of mech games, you're just fighting other mechs. And maybe there are buildings here or there, but you never know how big a building is. Like it could be a skyscraper, it could be a story tall or whatever. And a lot of games where you're just fighting other mechs and there aren't other humans or cars or whatever in the mix, it's hard to get that sense of scale. With Mech Warrior, that's never been a problem. Like, mm-hmm. and you're right. Like the the sound design. And the animation, like you get the feeling of the big stomping feet and the power of the mechs. Um, just the controls, obviously, they're, they're, it's a sim, you know? You yeah. really feel like you're in control of every element of a mech without it kind of stepping over the line mm-hmm. and without giving you some crazy $200 controller to play with. Well, I was about to say, I'll, I'll tell you what will really make me happy, and I don't even know if it's legal or possible, but find a way for me to use my Steel Battalion controller on this thing. I don't think the steel. I don't think even the Steel Battalion controller has enough buttons and crap to play Mech Warrior. Yeah, that's why I got a keyboard. Yeah. I mean, the, the Steam Attack controller has like 30 buttons on it. It's yeah, a lot. I guess that probably is enough then. Um, but you'd have to have an adapter for the Xbox, original right. Xbox Some kind know, of controller thing or whatever. There, which I'm sure would not be that difficult. But it's like, Man, I don't know what the legality of that would be, but I would sure go for it if I was on that team just to see if we could... I would love to dig that out of my closet. Do you think... I should have bought the other one too. 
Do you think it's too late for Mech Warrior, Matt? If you think about it, Mech Warrior was always a game that like older players played. Yeah. It was not like well, something the tweens played. No, but I mean, for one thing, I think it looks cool, so maybe you'll get some runoff in that regard. But I'll say, uh, for you know, if you're asking about like, does it matter because it was appealed to older people? Uh, that almost that same audience has given 180 million dollars or whatever to Star Citizen. Right. I think there's a lot there's a lot of crossover point. with that kind of 40 plus. That's what you got to figure PC though. Gamer. The Mech Warrior fans right now are in probably their mid to late 40s. Yeah. If they were young, back when the last game came out. But I've sent this that you know the 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 video, they, the first trailer thing they put up to a bunch of my friends who are you know my age or older back home and stuff, and they all were like, oh my, like, oh my god, how do I play this? And I'm yeah. like, well, you gotta have a gaming PC, a and, big time gaming. And they're PC. like, all right, wow, like like this will bring people will buy hardware for this. Yeah. I promise you. And, and the thing Why is, it takes so damn long. The it's thing insane. is, they're old enough that they have the money to do that. So they might, it might be a really a lucrative thing too. for them. Also, it would be a great VR game. It would. I would play it in VR, no question. Imagine if you could play it in VR with the Steel Battalion controller. <laughs> Dude, that oh, would yeah. be mind-blowing. That would be crazy. That would be yeah. mind-blowing. On the Vive, you could probably stick some stuff on it and make That's it like a... That's all you need to do. Yeah. You have to put a couple dots on it so the camera knows where it is. Yeah. And literally... And you'd see yourself pressing... Dude, the, yeah. and you would... like. Think about it. Like, you're seeing in virtual reality your hand reaching out and grabbing, mm-hmm. like, You'd probably a have lever. Wear, you have to wear, like, a glove or something that would show like, to show the, the base stations where your But, I mean, you is. have, like, like yeah. the Oculus Touch or the Vive controllers to do that for you, right? No, because you'd, you'd whack the thing doing that. Still, dude, it will blow your mind. If you're watching your hand in virtual reality and you're actually doing it and you... See your hand grab onto something, and your hand grabs onto yeah. something. Like, wow. Well, I said on the Star Trek thing, when you reach down to grab the, the warp... Never. Yeah. Like my my brain was surprised that my hand didn't grab anything when I did that. It can be very convincing. Well, we were playing uh, Werewolves Within, and one of the people sitting next to me, his character model like suddenly like jutted forward, and he starts laughing. He's like, "I just tried to put my feet up on the coffee table." <laughs> <laughs> there's always a table in front of you and he tried to put his feet up on the virtual coffee table and then almost fell out of his chair i stopped playing the vr pool games because i keep trying to lean on the table and fall fall over it's great i love it uh so i'm pretty excited for mech warrior 5 i think i would probably have to upgrade my pc to run it it looks like it's going to be a beast uh i was never a huge fan of the series like i know greg came back after he played it was like oh my god this is like gonna be my one of my game of the year contenders or whatever and uh Back when you worked at GameSpot, and I mean, it probably still happens there. Like, when a publisher releases a game, you don't just get one or two copies. Like, literally, a box comes with, like, 30 or 40 copies of each game. Like, it's insane, dude. And so I got one from that, and then I went home, and, you know, that was when I had started getting back into PC gaming again, and I had just bought a PC, and I played it, I don't know, 15, 20 hours, something like that, before mm-hmm. I kind of burned out on it. But uh, so I liked like, it. I mean, look, I played MechWarrior 2 longer than I can count yeah. back in the day. And uh, it, I don't... I, and three and four never quite matched my fervor for two. Uh, I can't really tell you why. Yeah. Maybe because I was younger and had Maybe more you just burn out because you played so much of two. But uh, I'll jump in on this one if it, if it matches up. I mean, the other, other thing is like, you know, every once in a while you, you run into these moments where it's like, oh, this modern version of this thing I love it's going to be amazing. And then you're like, hmm. Like... For whatever reason, like Wasteland Two had this problem for me, where like Wasteland One, I played for like a thousand hours when I was mm-hmm. a kid, like over and over and over. I played over, 
And I'm like, oh, wow, Wasteland in a situation where, like, the graphics aren't terrible. And it's like, it turns out that, like, those weird graphics kind of, like, added to the imagination sometimes. <laughs> and uh, It's I'm like wondering... I said before, like, when they emulate N64 games, I think in some ways they end up looking worse because... Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you develop games for, back when you had to develop games for underpowered hardware, you took into account certain things, like it's blurry. Like, mm-hmm. like Ocarina of Time, those crazy, like, worms that fly through the sky. Like, on the N64, they look awesome. They look like these eth- ethereal, like, crazy, like, space worms or whatever. But then if you look at it on, like, the emulator, it's actually just, like... A series of balls mm-hmm. connected with lines, and you look at it, you're like, "Dude, it's like a <laughs> bracelet floating in the air, in the air." It's like smart developers take advantage of even the limitations of hardware, and mm. sometimes whenever you bring them up to spec, they end up looking worse than they did in yeah. their original incarnation. Well, that happened. I mean, perils of the HD era. Like, there's a lot of you know, like looking at. Uh... Uh, X Files when they redid it because they were shot on film, so they can do right. an actual HD trans, you know, 4K HD transfer of those shows, and so like you get full 1080p Blu-rays, and you're watching, it, you're like, wow, that's really obviously a plastic model. Or like, yeah. oh, it's like it's, sometimes it doesn't do you any favors, you yeah. Know? But it's uh, it's a it's the price you pay, and like it's like I, newscasters in HD, they're all oh, like, yeah. Ugh. you can tell exactly <laughs> where the be makeup fired ends tomorrow. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it looks great. I'm excited to see it, to see it. Develop as we, you know, I don't know when if they gave, did they give a release window next Duh, year. Next right? year, yeah. Right, we'll see what happens. We'll see. All right, let's move along. So you've been getting all this anecdotal evidence about all these games not doing as well as the publishers had hoped. Some mm. have come out and even said, yeah, like Ubisoft said, yep, Watch Dogs Two not doing as well out of the gate as we thought, but we're sticking with it. It's a platform. Kind of heard the same thing about Titanfall Two. We, I think we finally just got the first evidence that there is something really going on here. So yesterday, some Wall Street analysts came out and said that they had seen the NPD report and sales of Call of Duty Infinite Warfare in the U.S. are down over 60%. Or wait, was it 45%? I think it was 45. 45. 45% from Black Ops 3. So I know PAC went off. Impactor Factory and said the UK doesn't matter, and mm. you know it's such a small market that I don't look at any sales from a couple days in in Europe and well, think that has any similar credence. in the sense like you know the the economy over there because of the Brexit situation you can't quite know whether it translates to the rest of the world, but it turns out it does. Yeah, yeah. As it turns out, like those first two days of sales yeah, in the out, UK. Yeah, it turns out in this at least in this case the UK sales were pretty indicative of you know US sales, and I think you can probably draw the conclusion that that's global. Yeah. And so I think what we're finding here, Matt, is that AAA big budget games, the interest is starting to wane. I mean, think about it. Every Q, can you think of a Q4 big budget game that sold up to what your expectations were? Um, do we have sales numbers on Skyrim? Not yet. I wonder if that did really well. Um, I think it probably did. Yeah. And it probably took a lot of sales away from these other games. Yeah, but I gotta say, like, I mean, look, I, I really liked Infinite Warfare. It's the, certainly, I think, the best Call of Duty they've done in a long time. But as someone who hasn't cared about Call of Duty since, like, 2012 maximum, uh, maybe I'm not the one you should be trying to appeal to. Yeah. Because I'm not the one who makes it sell 10 million every year. You know? Well, it is kind of funny if you think about it. People have ragged on... That's a really good point, Matt. People have ragged on Call of Duty saying it doesn't change and it's the same thing every year. 
They go and they change it. Yeah. And, and what they do happens? They a good job changing it, too. Yeah. It's fun. And what happens? They lose almost half of their mm-hmm. audience. And I do not... I mean, I know some people said, oh, it's because the Modern Warfare remaster you had to buy and people were upset about it. I don't believe that for five... Like that, yeah, I don't, 45% drop from that? No. Gamers yeah. have no self-control. Like, tons of people bought that anyway because they wanted the, the Modern Warfare remaster. I don't believe that. But... Um, something happened here. Yeah, I mean, look, this isn't just about. And Infinite it's not just Warfare. Infinite Warfare. It's, it's also all these games. All I mean, of Watch Dogs them. doesn't surprise. I think we've kind of called that. Yeah, we uh, talked about that months it's, ago. It's just not thought. a. It's just not a force. Yeah. In, in that, you know, considering what else came out in the four weeks surrounding it, yeah. it's just not a force. Uh, Battlefield One underperforming is interesting because uh, that seemed. I mean, look, Titanfall Two got sandwiched between Battlefield and Con. Call of Duty because it tried to play with the big boys and. Didn't come out of it very well, yeah. but Battlefield One still underperformed, even though it took stuff away from Titanfall Two. Apparently, it didn't do as poorly. It didn't do as bad as, as Infinite ones. Warfare, yeah. but it's still not. I mean, and so like, like, I would not call Battlefield One like a flop. No, not these at other all. games, like for the amount of money that they put into these games, they're flops in context with you know their previous installments. Yeah. So Matt, what do you think is going on here? I don't know. You think that. People have just had enough, and they finally reached their breaking point with buying whatever part five, whatever part two, whatever part six. Maybe Resident I mean, Evil Seven. Like, well, we'll see about that. But I don't. The other thing is, like, I feel like this holiday, you know, this fall's release calendar has been pretty samey and pretty. A lot of shooters. I've seen it already. Kind of, most Q4s, it is typical, though. but there's usually more than that. And like, if, Dishonored Two, another game that's done terrible. Yeah. Uh, it's already half and off. It, and you can buy got, that game for 30 bucks. And Dishonored 2 got advertised to hell and back. It did. I was shocked by how many ads I saw for that game. Yeah. And, the first uh, one got nothing, really. And we'll also see how Assassin's Creed uh, the movie does because that's been advertised like a lot. crazy. I've, yeah. I've never seen them. I mean, that was advertised to that entire 600 episode Simpsons marathon on FF, FXX. Every break. Assassin's Creed commercial. Yeah. So we'll see how that turns out. But I, don't I think know. it'll be a success, ultimately. Assassin's Creed? Yeah. Coming out five days after, after Rogue One. It's going to get crushed. Oh, man. It's not going to do well. I think video game fans will go out and see it. They're not They'll enough, go see both. Not enough of them. Oh. I, I don't think... It'll be lucky to pull $25 million I in. think it would have been better if they had released it five years ago. Yeah. When Assassin's Creed was or the just hot whatever. Or just in a year where Assassin's Creed came out, uh, that might you know help. Yeah. But, it's a very weird situation. Then we got a division movie coming up, so yeah. buckle up. Uh, there's a movie for every game now. Maybe you can release that the a week. Tetris movie. Is Maybe you can out. release division movie the week after Infinity War as an, <laughs> and continue your brilliant strategy of of showing up in the exhaust of one of the biggest movies of the year. But, but what um, are you thinking, Matt? Why, and I would be interested to hear some of the people in the chat why they think that uh, big budget AAA gaming is starting. I don't to know. I. I mean, look, I will admit that if I wasn't playing these games for this show, I probably would have passed on a bunch of them. Just really? they didn't they didn't interest me. I was I just feel like I'd been there before. And the irony of that you think is, that's what's happened with everybody though. I mean, They're like, I maybe. get this game now. I know what it is. I'm not interested in spending sixty bucks maybe. to do it again. And then part maybe part of it is also like it's far more prevalent now and better publicized via the online you know store fronts and stuff. That you can play alphas or betas of these things and open betas early, and I can see people playing like the open beta of Infinite Warfare and being like, "Yeah, I have this already. I have Battle- yeah. I have Black Ops Three already. Like, why would I?" And that game start in particular over? was very much yeah. the same multiplayer. Um, so I, you know, there's a lot more opportunity to try these things before you buy them, and maybe people are just saying it's not worth the sixty bucks for them, especially because how quickly you can get it for far less than that these days. You know, I mean, not just the the not just the the 
the the bombs. You know, not just like oh, Titanfall or Watch Dogs is 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 underselling, so now you can get it for thirty or forty bucks at Target, whatever. But he's like, you know, people are like, oh, look, if you wait a couple months, you'll get them for far less. If you wait till Christmas, you can get it as a gift. If you Wait a couple weeks after Battle, Battlefield 1's release, uh, Target has its buy two, get one free sale. You know, like, I, I mean, the front-loaded I mean, launch you, but sales, that, that stuff has been going on for a long time. Do you think that people are just now figuring it out? That they're like, wait a minute. Maybe I, on a I've mass been, scale, I've been a yeah. fool all this time paying Possible. full price for this? On a mass scale, maybe. I mean, Call of Duty never really drops in price. No. I mean, they charge sixty for that. They still charge no, sixty no, bucks for Black Ops Three. It was a decent deal on an Amazon Black uh, Black Friday Cyber Monday area. It was like I think it was like forty nine for the Legacy Edition, which is pretty good. Um, that's over, but like, uh, you, I mean, if you wait, you can get some pretty good prices on these. If it doesn't matter to you that you play them the day of, does that explain why all the front loaded sales are gone? I don't think so necessarily. Um, we don't have it. Do we have NPD for November yet? Yeah. No. We, yeah, no. What we have is that for PlayStation, PlayStation Four One November for the first, for the first time in four in months. Yeah. So it looks like PlayStation Four Pro helped that out, and just this nugget of information, which analysts in uh, Wall Street leaked. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure NPD and Activision are probably not happy about that. I think Activision stock actually went down pretty drastically on that news, which is why you're not supposed to leak information mm-hmm. like that. Uh, looking at some of the chat stuff, uh, Nolan Elric, people are getting tired of sequels, in my opinion. Um, there have still been like reports that you know software sales this fall are still up like six, seven percent year over year. Yeah. So they're buying something. They're just not buying the triple A's. MG Noxa, I think most big budget games are boring today. Interesting. Um, and the Abram points out Pokemon selling like hotcakes, yeah. which it is. I think that's and, you know. Here's the thing: I don't, I don't really agree that trip, a lot of AAA stuff is boring today. But I will say this: I generally think of them as boring until I play them. Yeah. Like, You're like right. I, like I go into something like Battlefield Not One, that thinking excited, like, oh and, god, I've played how many of these, and yeah. and then I end up enjoying it. Yeah. But it's like if I didn't have to play it to, you know, would you talk have about it, Would I hump? have gotten over that? Probably not. Yeah. I probably would just wait until I could get it cheap. That's a good point. And Gerzilla brings up digital sales, which is I certainly is part of it, but. I don't think you go from one year yeah. to the next and lose 45% of your audience and attribute even a big chunk of that to digital. Maybe 5%. Yeah, year over year, max. October console software up 31%, PC up 172%. So people are buying games, they're just not buying physical console AAA games, yeah. I guess. W. I mean, Matthew brings up a good point, too. I still think Evergreen games are having an impact. Yeah. So games and like look, people are still playing Overwatch. Well, and here's like, the, here's the other. Why would I go pick up another shooter when I'm still playing? Right. I think Overwatch, Overwatch is, is having a big, having a bigger impact than any of us might expect. Twenty million sales. Yeah, I don't do that. Huge. And then on top of that, like, you know, I say that like, oh, these are things where they're known quantities. They're kind of boring to me on, in concept because I've played so many of them. At the same time, what's the game I played the most this fall? Skyrim. <laughs> like, the game fine. I literally have already played for 200 hours. I so wait, have you played Skyrim more than you played Final Fantasy XV? Yes. You have? Wow. Because I think, I think Final Fantasy XV took me about 50 hours to finish. Yeah. And do all a bunch of... I didn't finish everything. Uh, our friend uh, Benson did get the Platinum uh, yesterday. How many hours? 109 hours. <laughs> wow. He said, he fe- said the Adamantois battle, which is the thing in the Conan segment that they said took 72 hours of real time, yeah. took him 42 minutes. 42 minutes. He was leveled 93. He thinks if you're level 50, it would probably take three hours or so. Yeah. So I don't know where that 72 hours thing came from. In that yeah. Segment. But um, 
So yeah, I, I maybe played, it takes seventy-two hours if you're level one. Maybe. I mean, I don't know what out. I figured it was like related, like what level they had them at in that demo. Yeah. Or something. But um, so yeah, I probably put about sixty, seventy hours in a Skyrim uh, remastered. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that would be more than that would be more than anything else I played this year except No Man's Sky. So that's where I am. Right now. <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> So yeah, and, and also Skyrim Remastered was free for me because I had the right. the game on PC with the DLC, so it just popped up. Which is day. not going to happen for Bulletstorm, by the way. No, Gearbox no. said that you are no. not going to get the remastered version if you already own Bulletstorm. Because they on can't, PC. they can't do that because it's a different publisher. Yeah, that's I, I can't blame. I will yeah, I gladly throw Gearbox under the bus for a bunch of shit, but EA published that game, and now they are not. And EA would have to be the one that does that, and I'm sure EA does it not. It's not happening. No. <laughs> So yeah, I, Randy gets a lot of shit for stuff, uh, but in this case, I don't think he deserves that. I mean, I because I, like everyone's like, oh, da- oh yeah, but Darksiders, uh, THQ Nordic bought that lock, stock, and barrel, and the old publisher THQ is doesn't exist anymore. Right. So, well, like, it, it, THQ Nordic now, but yeah, but they ha- all that got different... transferred over, and like no one, no one bought EA. You know, like right. EA still exists, and they still have the rights to that release, and. That's something they'd have to work with, and it has no benefit for EA right now, so there's no reason they'd want to work with it. So. I mean, you would think that Gearbox could get that IP from EA for next to nothing. It's, well, because it's not about that. It's about uh, the sales tracking, who owns it, and kind of integrating into that. And EA would have to give them permission to do that, and it doesn't benefit EA whatsoever to do that. So I don't see why EA... I don't, it doesn't surprise me that EA is not interested in that. The... Uh, the, We're the, one up on a tangent. Yeah, right. But the, 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 the more salient issue on Bulletstorm is that it's full price. Right. Yeah. And 60 bucks for that... Oh, look, I didn't like Bulletstorm in the first place, but I think it's ridiculous that the people who did like Bulletstorm, uh, they want to get 60 bucks out of them. 50 bucks for the pre-order discount, but like, still, too much... It's, uh, it'll tank for what that was, and again, it's like, it tanked the first time, right? But it's like no one's, no one. There's probably a lot of people who would like that game who have never played it, and they're not going to give it a shot at sixty dollars. Like it's just, yeah. it's. I don't understand the. I mean, it surprises me anybody's remastering that game in the first place. But uh, the fact that like the sixty dollar price is just going to be a huge barrier of entry for people that would be otherwise maybe willing to give it a shot. So let's, yeah, let's get back on big topic. tangent. So we've talked about why these games are selling less. But let's talk now about what we think is going to happen because of it. What do you see publishers doing, Matt? In terms of these AAA things? Big budget, AAA, whatever you want uh, to call it. Well, right now, probably nothing. I think, I think it'll take... Too a, late. I mean, they're already yeah. working on the, the next round. Yeah, I think it'll take a couple of years before of, of cons- this consistently happening before it, it, we see any you know, real reaction. But might we see maybe the 2018 uh, holiday releases impacted by this? Maybe. That's also the releases that we will probably see impacted by the voice actor strike. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you do if you're used to spending $100 million on this thing, these things and they aren't, they're selling half of what they used to. Do you cut that budget down? Do you kill... You know, because most of the cost of, a, of game development is bodies, is yeah. people. You, yep. you know, the people you have to pay however much per year... These are specialized, you know, positions for the most part. Um, can you make a, you know, a yearly installment or a two year, two, every two years, you know, because that's like, what what was Call of Duty at now? Like every, every each each team three. makes every three there's years. Three teams, yeah. yeah. So there's three teams. Although I'm wondering now if Infinity War might get cut out of that rotation. I mean, this is two in a row for Infinity War that have yeah. done poorly. 
And like normally, I would like to think that a publisher would look at like, okay, well, Ghost was a misfire, but Infinity Warfare, Infinite Warfare was a great game. Right. But it's Activision. Yeah. And Activision doesn't care how good your game is; they just care what the receipts are. Oh, you're right. So, so I could see that, that happening. Could you see publishers maybe taking the budgets that they would spend on one big budget AAA game and turning that budget into four mobile games? No. 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 More than four mobile games. Well, maybe more than four. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Because, I mean, you would have to have such a drastic shift that the shareholders would really demand that, I think. I don't think you would you would just spontaneously shift your business strategy that hard without some backlash from people who are used to making their investment money back on these big, visible games. Um, maybe Super Mario Run's performance might impact that decision-making process for a lot of publishers. But I'm not too convinced they'd do that. I think they would just scale back and make smaller budget AAA games. Do you think that we might get to a place where every big budget slash AAA game is a game as a platform type game? I wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, look, things are heading that way already. Yeah. And look, look. If you're looking at the difference, which is or one lack thing that thereof, Ubisoft said for why it's not too freaked out over right. Watch Dogs Two, is they're looking at it that game that way. So. Right. But it's and also like if you look at the you know the difference or lack thereof between the multiplayer and Black Ops Three and Infinite Warfare, um, you're almost kind of there already in that in yeah. that realm. So maybe it yeah. makes more sense to sort of sell a separate campaign plus zombie thing each year and call that your you know, your release. Your release, and then keep the plat- the multi... Because I, I think that might be a big part, too, of what happened to Infinite mm-hmm. Warfare, is that the portion of the game that most people buy it for is exactly like last year. I mean, I don't know if you yeah, remember, so why but, start over? I mean, in my eval, I even mentioned about this game, that if you have Black Ops 3, and you're only going to buy this for multiplayer, you're basically paying $60 for, like, a new set of maps. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if people caught on to that, and that might be a little bit of the reason why it, it sold. I mean, Maybe. 45%. That's insane, man. That's crazy for Call of Duty to drop that much in a year. Well, especially when like the install base for the consoles is only going up. Yeah. I mean, what's going to happen to Dishonored 2? Mm-hmm. It's like the... Well, it's also like that's happening even in uh, Japan with Final Fantasy 15. They're saying the, the sales were down like 50% from Final Fantasy 13. But like, and like, some people are saying, I was like, well, you can't compare the install. But the install base of the PS4 right now in Japan is ninety percent of what it was, what it was at Final Fantasy Thirteen with the PS3. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. So interesting. It, interesting it, so it's not, it's, you know, ten percent difference in install base is not going to account for a fifty percent drop like that. Basically, it still had a great first week. It almost sold it did a, have a great first week in terms of in console. Japan. In terms of console games in Japan, yeah, it had a great first week. Yeah. In terms of Final Fantasy games in Japan, it did not. Oh yeah, I mean, um, you go back to like the PlayStation PlayStation Two era. Yeah. The, in Japan, those games were selling like ten million copies so, or whatever. Unfortunately, I think the lesson they're going to take from this is like, oh, we should bring Lightning back. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but uh, it, you know, so but again, that's another example of like a, what you would think would be a bulletproof AAA game in what which should be its bulletproof region, it's home court. Yeah, yeah. Still, you know, it's just that the interest doesn't seem to be there, and it's not, you know, it's not it, when you can say that about two games as disparate as Final Fantasy XV and Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, which are not similar, not the same audience, nothing yeah. like that. Like it's all around down. What's going on? 
I don't know, but I'm not part of it, apparently. I mean, digital is a little part of it, obviously. Somewhat, but, but I... that's little. But even as someone who will always say, like, you know, you can't, but don't forget digital sales, don't forget digital sales, I don't think digital sales is 45% of the Call of Duty install base. The crappy part about this, too, is if these big games don't sell, the chances of them releasing little games is, like, zero. Unless it's mobile. Like... The big publishers, yeah. They're not going to release risky games. That's why I was saying, like, The Last Guardian... So that's why I'm recommending people play The Last Guardian, because as time goes on, the chances of games like this ever being released are just get more and more slim. Yeah, Sony... I think Sony still will, but, like... And what's really going to be interesting to me is when we get to the spring, and if we start to see this underperformance trend happening with things like Horizon Zero Dawn... And for honor, that would and Persona that would be Five, bad, yeah. In that situation, I think you're looking at okay, the industry's contracting. Yeah, at least the the AAA level is. Or people just all playing clearly, mobile well, games. Clearly, software like, sales are up. Yeah, console software sales are up. But what are they buying? Maybe they're buying those little games. Maybe they're buying those, you know, the remaster stuff. Maybe they're not buying the big AAA push, push, push stuff. They're buying, or they're, know, they're waiting other things to buy them when they can get Some it for might. thirty or forty bucks, like. That's the other problem with this. It's a self-defeating cycle because mm -hmm. if people realize that they can wait to get a month or two to get a game for yeah. half price or whatever, it's just going to convince them right. to keep doing it. And, and the if, more people realize it, the more people are doing it, and you just get mm -hmm. end up in this downward spiral. And if you've got that rolling wave of people buying stuff for forty bucks on sale two months later, that still reflects as an as a rise in software right. sales. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, because it's all be revenue, it. and it all just yeah. goes into the same pile. And you don't when we get MPD, they don't separate. This is from discounted games. This right. is from full retail. All you get is just that one big. So pot do you of money. hit a point now when like? You know, the major publishers have to admit that full retail should just start at 40 bucks. Can you even afford that? Is that just going to be a recipe for higher price season passes and more DLC? I just, I, that's, why, I, that's why I think the more likely outcome is games as a platform. Mm -hmm. um, I just think it's that that's... working for Blizzard. It's working for everyone who's doing it. As long as you make a good game and you actually incentivize people adequately enough to spend that extra cash mm -hmm. beyond the main experience. So and make it something and it's that's, tricky. That's not easy to do. Yeah, like, but also make it something that people are willing to come back to, to keep installed on their limited right. hard drive space. Um, the Division seems to have pulled that off with their I just update. deleted the Division. I just did a big purge oh, so did on my PS4 so hard drive. I. I got rid of that. I got rid of Street Fighter Five. Or rather, or rather, I should say I did not re-download it on the Pro. Yeah. Um, I got but rid of a lot Madden. of people came back for, for the Division. Yes. Well, initially they said... Right. It was back to launch numbers, and then the next day then they had to be like, "No, actually, it's not." But, yeah, but at least people didn't. But come at least back. people gave it a shot. Right. Like that's more. I mean, that's more than could have happened. You know, You're absolutely right. It's more than I did. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't go I back. Didn't, I didn't go. Back. I uninstalled it. So, all right, let's move along. Did you get a chance to play this today, Matt? Star yes. Wars Battlefront X Wing yeah, VR I mission. Said, I played it three times, and then I had some brownies. Oh, that's right. You said that. Yeah. <laughs> Because I have a stomach I think I just of iron. Got, I think I was just uh, thrown off by the brownies. I, <laughs> I didn't get to eat before I came in here today, and you said brownies. <laughs> Huge brownies, covered in fudge. I immediately had an image in my mind of a whole pan full of brownies. <laughs> I didn't have that many, no. But, uh, so what do you think? I like it. Um, free's good. Uh, free is always good. It's really co it's cool in the sense that, like, um, first off, uh, I did try it on both uh, PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 4 Pro. Uh, looks better on a pro, okay. like this, the, the just a little sharper. Uh -huh. um, it's fun. I mean, it's cool. Like you get in the sh you get in the cockpit and you start it up, and then like you're flying around and you're you know you're flying around in the uh, in the whole um, uh, the rebel fleet, like looking around at people, and uh, it's neat. 
it's yeah, it's pretty much what you want out of an X-wing VR simulator for the most part. Uh, the one disappointment I would say is that um, it still plays like Battlefield one, like, or Battlefront. Once you get into the um, into the actual combat section, like you're still doing this. You know, it's not X-wing. It's uh, you know, you're pushing up on the L stick to you know to to go faster. You're locking on with L two. You know, it's it's not you know, you're not balancing shields and all that stuff and everything. It's still just Battlefront. So I guess like the big shortcoming of it is that it's still Battlefront, um, and it plays. You know, it's not as uh, brainless as the you know the Starfighter battles in Battlefront vanilla, but like it's still like because at the beginning here you're like, you know, you you. You press a button uh, at the end of this sequence. You press a button on the on the console to jump to hyperspace. Then you, like you let you get where you're going, and you press an, another button to like open the wings. And like for a second there, you're like, oh wow, it's like X-wing sim. And then you're like, no, it's just Battlefront. Like uh, you know, when the <laughs> when the Tie Fighters show up, it's just like, no, hold this to lock on, fire. You know, don't let the thing overheat. Call it a day. You know. So it's a little. I'd I'd love to see them do a full game that was a you know maybe fifty percent more sim. Uh, I'm sure I won't get that. Yeah, that's not but bad, um, like just like the way because like you say like the fun part of this stuff is like seeing that hand your hand. I mean, yeah. there's no hand in this, but having to like flip the switch. It's like that switch opens the wings right on the X wing. That's right. the switch that yeah. opens the wing. Like you never knew that before. Did yeah, you, you didn't. Yeah. It's, it's, that's cool. <laughs> and you like, think they did like their research to make sure that like everything's according to canon and everything? Oh, I, I don't really know. There, I don't know if there is a canon for that. Okay, because I know that like uh, I although I do know that uh, um, Harrison Ford and Peter Mayhew did work out a specific sequence of controls for the Millennium Falcon that did different things. Oh wow! So they'll when like they jump to hyperspace, you'll see Harrison Ford and Peter Mayhew do the exact same thing every time. It's that's what they make because they didn't have anything for right, that. So right. Ford's like, well, it has to be the same way every time because that's how it works. So they made up a whole thing. And then when they did Force Awakens, they taught he taught uh, Ray and those guys what to do to do that. So like, it's kind of up to you, I guess, if you're especially if you're an actor in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so you can make up however you want. Like, and and the fact that they did that early on in this is really neat. I would like to see more of that. You know, like that's the thing that really puts you in stuff. Really puts you there. Um, but overall, this is really. I mean, you, you know, I'd spent a lot of time flying around this area, like looking, like flying up to the the, the frigates and looking in the window. And you can't see. see I can handle windows. this because it's moving real slow. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing it doesn't stay that way. Yeah, this is max speed right now. Oh, really? You can do like a boost thing. So wait, are there fa- no dogfights or anything? There are, but this is about as fast as you go. Really? I mean, I might be able to handle that. You, there's a, <laughs> you, you can boost with triangle, like you can like do like a quick, you know, like Rogue Squadron. You can do like a quick boost thing. Which closes the wings and you can't shoot anymore for a, for a little bit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this is about as fast. In fact, you want to go a little bit slower for the most part because otherwise you can't turn very quickly. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and there's a lot of head movement. Like any like a real dogfight, there's a lot of head movement in this. You're going to be looking up and around and trying to track stuff, and then a star destroyer shows up, and that's going to complicate things. Um, but you're still using like the battlefront stuff. You're still using the stupid steer with the right stick and yeah. accelerate and decelerate with the left stick. I'm not a fan You've of that. You've still got the two powers. You've got the shield power and the fire of the to- proton torpedo. So like you're you're bringing up your shields as a you know rechargeable you know cooldown power rather than the shields being part of the ga- the, the the ship systems. So that so yeah, I would say this was this is really cool and a lot of fun, except for the parts where it continually reminds you you're playing Battlefront. <laughs> like, <laughs> is um, this all there's gonna be? Are they putting out like a more than this, or was this just like a little demo think, that they're I putting out? I don't know if they're clear on that yet. Um, I would 
pay. Look, I would have paid like some money for that. I would pay like ten bucks for this. It's good. It's, yeah. it's it's fun. It's a it's like a ten minute ride basically, but it's fun. And I played it a few times, and it still holds up in terms of like just I want to sit in an X wing cockpit and do shit. Right. Um, I would buy for the, you know a similar amount of money. I would buy like a pack or something of like I'd love to see them do uh, snow speeders. Like Hoth, I know. Yeah. Every, I know every Star Wars game does Hoth. That would definitely like, make me barf. Probably. <laughs> I'm um, much scared. They too. know, by the way, because when you first jump to the VR mission section, the first thing you see is an AT-AT walk past you on the main yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah, I so saw that in the footage. So yeah. it's like, oh yeah, I, you know what I want to see. Well, that's pretty awesome, though, isn't oh, it? Yeah, having oh, an yeah. AT-AT right behind right right you. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, I absolutely would buy a full price game that is this. That is, you know. X-Wing stuff in VR, go. They've been really unclear about the plan for this, it seems like. Well, I think EA is hesitant on this because, you know, EA doesn't want to support VR right out the gate here. We've seen this, uh, but clearly... EA doesn't want to support anything right, right out of the gate. But clearly, but yeah, ILM, like but ILM is super publisher. hot for VR, yeah. and they released that free tattooing thing right. on PC. Um, and I think this is Lucasfilm throwing money at EA to say, just get it done, just do it. And so if... Lucasfilm continues to want to do that, uh, maybe we might get more. One thing I can say is it's just, you know, just watching the footage, just one of the better looking PlayStation VR games. Yeah, I mean, again, this footage looks better than what you see in the goggles. Just That's the way the, it always the, is. By, yeah, by the tech limitation. But it's not that far off. Like, yeah. it, lo- it still looks good, it still looks sharp. Um, the the close up ships look good. Like, it's, it's, it is one of the better ones. Oh. Yeah, it hurt. I, I did that <laughs> when I first started. Uh, when at the end you get like one of the the thing like the the you know the the things for points you can get is like don't die. Right. And the first one I'm like it's I didn't get that. I'm like hey, I didn't. Oh no, I did ram an asteroid. The very <laughs> first thing I did as soon as I came out of hyperspace, you just rammed into a rock because I was looking around at the cockpit. Right, right. And I just hit a I hit a, you, hit an asteroid, which is realistic. Yeah. Like, it's, that's something you don't think about when you play games where you're flying in a spaceship is, like, you never look down. But if you were really flying that thing, like, you're going to have to look, mm-hmm. like, all around the cockpit. And like, that's the thing about VR, though. It makes things so much more realistic, but it also kind of brings in these mundaneries that you never thought about before with games. Yeah. So, I mean, I really like it. Obviously, it's free, uh, I think, right? It's yeah. It's free. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you have a PSVR and Battlefront, I don't know why you haven't already played this. Yeah. Um, but it's... Is that the requirement to get it free? You, have, you just have to have owned Battlefront? I think, yeah, it just popped up in my Battlefront menu okay. after I updated stuff. Gotcha. So I think that's it. Um, as a matter of fact, it, it was easier to update that than to update the actual expansion pack stuff. Because <laughs> that, you have to actually go to the... The PlayStation Store and download. Money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had the season pass, so it's still free to me, but it doesn't automatically update anything. Well, it so. has to go through the whole transaction yeah. still. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say about it beyond that. It's just you know, you, you find this. You're escorting uh, this this U-wing, which is uh, piloted by the black droid from uh, Rogue One, and uh, they have a VIP on board, which is probably Jin, Jin, the the main character from Rogue One, but they never say. Yeah. Um, and you basically are escorting them. Uh, you escort them out of this area and uh, to the Rebel fleet, and then they jump to Yavin Four, presumably for the briefing you see in the Rogue One trailer. Yeah. Um, so it's just a nice little kind of Rogue One bonus thing. It's uh, the droid is funny. The uh, the droid uh, here's where the, here's where the tie fighters show up. Oh, and there's a couple. I mean, again, 
there's as a Star Wars fan, I don't know, and this was true in uh, in uh, the old X-wing games too. I don't know if there's anything more satisfying than shooting the wing off a Tie Fighter and watching it spin. And one time it did that and it hit me. Oh wow! Like it spun and bounced off the, oh the top of the, the canopy, which <laughs> luckily I had my shield up and it didn't kill me. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's it's a simple little thing, but it's like like my friend uh, said, uh, it's the kind of thing I'd stand in line for at Disneyland if yeah, they had. There you go. But I can just sit on my couch and, and do it. And it's free. Well, it wasn't free. Wow. <laughs> the, the the software is free. The hardware is not. Yeah. So point. at a certain point, you're still kind of like, this is amazing. Still cost like eight hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing. But it wasn't for, just for this. So. No. No. But I would. I hope we get more of it because it's cool. I would love to see them. I mean, I don't. I mean, it looks like they can put a lot of stuff on screen at once here. I mean, you've got a lot of Tie Fighters. Well, you just um, have the bitmap for the background. It's not like you're yeah, building but, the whole but you've got a lot of Tie Fighters, and all those asteroids are real things you can yeah. run into and fly around. And yeah. um, there's lots of polys. So there, I would yeah. like to see them try like you know great moments in Star Wars history. I'd like to see the the, the battle over Endor. And, That'd be cool. And uh, that kind of stuff. And I, hell, I'd even play a pod racer thing. You know, and, oh yeah, I play that too. Well, <laughs> for ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> until I got sick. Until you got sick. Um, but I think there's, you know, there's tons of stuff you could do with this. Uh, just, just keeping to the cockpit stuff. So I hope they. Uh, Hopefully, EA will crack out of that. his dumbass shell and. Well, that's the thing is, I think uh, the fact that this exists indicates that Lucasfilm is willing to pay EA until they do what they want. Because um, Luke again, ILM is super hot for VR. Yeah, uh, and they, they're doing internal like tests and stuff all the time. Apparently, they're going to put another one out that involves Darth Vader soon. Interesting. Like, um, like the you know, like the Tatooine right. thing. Yeah, I guess there's a, they said there's a Darth Vader thing that they were thinking about. I haven't heard anything about that in months, so maybe it's not going to happen. But um, here's where the the Star Destroyer shows up, and again. Uh, looking at this on 2D does not do justice to no. looking up and seeing that thing come yeah. over the top of your oh ship. It's gosh. ridiculous. Yeah, I bet. So, cool. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it was fun. Maybe I'll give it a spin for as long as I can, which may not be all that long. I didn't find it, you know, as, as far as, like, you know, jarring visual stuff, I didn't find it. I found it pretty smooth. Okay. All right, let's move along. Next we have a topic that's kind of twofold. So as you guys know, Matt and I have been in a video game fantasy league all year. We'll be doing a draft again in about a month, actually, mm-hmm. uh, for next season. Uh, but with the release of The Last Guardian, all our games are complete. And so we have that league going on, but also all this time, uh, well, not all this time, but over the last few months, we had a real fantasy football league going on with uh, subscribers from Sifted. Um, and one of the subscribers who is in the league, Shanghai Dan, I'm sure you've seen him on the site before, if you frequent the site, he went so far as to purchase a trophy for the winner of the league, and he sent along this video, and we'll show it right now. Sam, we need the audio for that. He's actually talking, so if you can cue that back up, and uh, we'll just let it play and let Shanghai Dan give you his message. Hi Sifters, my name's Dan. My Sifted tag is Shanghai Dan. I've been taking part in the first ever Fantasy Football League for Sifted. We've just finished the regular season and we're moving into the playoffs starting this Sunday. I um, thought I would donate a winner's trophy to the winner of the league. That is the most <laughs> awesome trophy ever. Sifted Fantasy Champion. It's I'll be like posting the that Hulk to the shirt off. Um, that's decided. I've also uh, purchased a plaque that will sit in, hopefully, sit in the Sifted Studios behind Shane and Matt during Game Face. 
with the winner, and hopefully each year the next winner will be engraved onto the trophy. Uh, thanks very much. I'm thoroughly enjoying everything. Thanks, Shane, for all the site. Much appreciated. Having loads of laughs and fun. And let's hope we get more people joining next year. All right. So he's an Eagles fan. I won't hold that against him. But <laughs> that trophy is so freaking awesome. I've never seen a top familiar. of familiar. I think I've seen that. Somewhere. I've never seen it. It's a dude ripping his shirt off. Yeah. That's so awesome. Uh, so that was Shanghai Dan. I'm sure you guys have seen him on the site. But him, myself, and then eight other sifters have been in this league. Uh, you want to put up the standings, Sam? So here are the standings in the league. I am L.A. Chowderhead. And one thing that drove me crazy is that none of these guys used their sifted usernames for their yeah. fantasy football teams. Uh, so you can see I ended up in first place in the Western Conference with a record of 9-4. and four. I honestly do not know how. I was so lucky in this league. And luck is a big part of fantasy football. Uh, everything just kind of broke my way in this league, or at least it has so far. So the two teams that are in first place, you get a bye. So the first round of the playoffs is happening right now. I don't even have to play this week. I don't have to play, and the Wimbledon Wamblers, they don't have to play either. And so in our conference, the Kansas City Sex Panthers and the Lincoln Honey Badgers are playing to see, and the winner of that plays me next week. And the other conference is Gotham Rogues versus, versus the South Park Cows, who will play Wimbledon Wamblers next week. The winner of that game plays Wimbledon Wamblers. How come the Rogues don't get a bye because they're tied with the Wamblers? So when you have a tie, there are tie breakers. So you can see in my conference, there were two teams that were tied at 6 and 7. Mm -hmm. And the tie breakers to see who makes the playoffs is who has scored the most total number of points. Okay. And so that's how the, the, the rankings happen if, ever, if two teams have a similar record. First tiebreaker is total points scored. So Wimbledon Wamblers ultimately scored more points throughout the season than the Gotham Rogues, which is why they get the bye instead of Gotham Rogues. So first week of the playoffs going on this week, and then I'll play the winner of that game. Wimbledon Wamblers will play the winner of the other game next week. And then the week after that, which I'll probably be gone for the holidays already, will be our big Super Bowl, our Sifted Bowl, or whatever we're going to decide to call it. And we'll have a champion. Uh, so when we come back from Sifter the holidays... Sifter Bowl is a nice... Uh, yeah, nice Sifter Bowl. That's a good one. <laughs> Sifter Bowl champs. Uh, so when we come back uh, for early in early January, we'll let you know who ultimately ended up winning the league. Can uh, you make, a, make a logo that's just the Sifter thing above yeah. a bowl? <laughs> Perfect! <laughs> And just like helmets. Well, I could probably it. buy it for like ten bucks at like some <laughs> store and just yeah. hot glue it together or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we already have an awesome trophy. Uh, I think Shanghai Dan's going to send us a trophy, and if he does, um, there's also a plaque mm -hmm. coming, and the plaque will live on forever. Every year somebody wins, their name gets engraved on the plaque, and that will definitely live in the studio for forever. Um, and then that trophy that he has. We pass on to the champ as someone wins. There it says Sifted well, like, Fantasy like, Champion. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, pretty right awesome. There. So that you can always see it. Yeah. It'll probably go back here on the shelf behind me. But um or the plaque you mean. Yeah. Yeah, the plaque will probably go somewhere on the wall right here. But uh, Shanghai Dan, so awesome, man. Thank you so much for getting that trophy. Everyone who's in the league right now is like, Oh my god, that trophy's so awesome, I wanna win it. <laughs> so so that's one half of this topic, is just talking about our regular Fantasy League. Now it's time to talk about Matt and I's video game Fantasy League. Um, the day has come. The day of reckoning has come. The day of reckoning was somewhere in July. Yeah, I don't even know if I made it that far, to be honest with you. I think it was over way before then. So we have the final tally, if you want to put that up, Sam. 
So, if you remember last year, we kind of give two different metrics. We give the total points scored, which is ultimately who the, which was what determines the champion. And then we also provide an average of each pick. So, you can look at mine. So, there's... I only got scores for one, two, three, six games out of ten. Uh, Four out of my ten games never came out this year. Matt lost one game, Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn. Matt ends up with a total of 744 points. I ended up with a measly 500. Although if your games had come out, I think you would have won. Maybe. There's no way to know. I mean, looking at the scores for some of my games, I thought No Man's Sky would end up scoring way higher. Mm. I thought... Uh, Look, I think, pers- at the very least, I think Persona 5, Mass Effect, and Zelda are 90s. Yeah. They're going to be 90s. You never know, though. You never know, but that's my... G- I don't know what Cuphead's going to get. I don't even want to guess. I mean, my best game. Remember I, I said I thought my best pick was Fire Emblem Fates. Remember? Because I got it like yeah. at the end of the draft, and I was like, oh, I got like a 90 plus. I, I think I gave you a funny look for that one, too. But it did end up being like one of my best picks, and obviously Overwatch, which it won game yeah. of the year at uh, the Was game Overwatch Awards. your last pick? Uh, it might have been. Man, good thing you got that one in. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I did win the average, barely. Mm-hmm. Which last year I swept against Marcus. I won I, in a landslide. I beat him in both total points and average. I this should, year the average was really Mafia close. Three. Yeah, that dragged you down a little bit. I really didn't expect that to do that badly. Yeah, I don't think, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, you'd never know. Like, you can't really look at, like, my games that didn't come out and say I would have won. You just can't. Because you just don't know. I mean, the last Guardian, I thought it would score higher than that, too. I mean, mm-hmm. No Man's Sky, obviously, is the big one. I really thought that was going to be, like, a 90-plus game. I think at the time, I said, I'm sure someone will go back and look, but I think at the time I said I was... I thought it was going to be all over. Oh, really? Because I, I you were surprised I didn't pick that because I was so excited for it. Yeah. But I'm like, no, I think that game's going to be a whole thing. I think and you I, may be right, actually. And yeah. I was even underestimating it, apparently, it turned out. Because yeah. it was a way bigger disaster than anyone could have predicted. But I still thought it was going to be a love it or hate it situation. Even if it had, I think even, yeah, I think that game's going to be pretty good, like, in June. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, like, even then, yeah. I feel it's going to be a love it or hate it thing anyway. But yeah, congratulations, Matt. You're the new champion. Ding. For Matt Kyle. Now i got to figure out what I'm going to pick next year. I'll take my medicine. I'll be drafted a lot differently <laughs> next year. I should have learned my lesson the first year with Marcus, though. Like, it's so dumb how I drafted, like. Yeah. I'm yep. really competitive, so it yeah. really bothers me, but Matt stomped my ass. There's no like, no denying it. I'm trying to think. I mean, I think this, the stuff you picked that didn't come out this year, I would have called not coming out this year except for Cuphead. Yeah. Because no one knows when the hell Cuphead's coming out. Yeah. And at the time, I don't think we had any indication they were going to be The funny part so is that ultimately it ended up being pretty lucky that Final Fantasy XV made it out in time. Yeah. Because they ended up delaying True. it a couple times this year. Like, I was up against it with that one, too. Like... But, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda was supposed to be Q1 last year. Persona 5 was dicey all along, for sure. Yeah, well, because I I remember I said something like, if it doesn't come out by July, is no way, because it's always about six months. I mean, look, Zelda... And then it delayed it again. Zelda's get delayed a lot, but, dude, like, it had been in development for, like, four years for the Wii U already, like... Yeah, but then, like... Well, it's like, I think I said, like, because uh, they said the 2016 on the on the E3 yeah. stuff the year before, but I think even, I might have even said, like, look, if that thing's launching alongside the new system, or the new system doesn't come out this fall, Zelda's not coming out. Yeah. And that was true. 
Yeah. And then it's not burned. even going to make launch. I know. What's going on? I, know. I got burned, I think, though. I mean, Zelda yeah. still, ultimately, is only supposed to come out two months after. You were, you were following what Nintendo said was going to happen. Like they, they swore up and down 2016 for that game. Yeah. So, anyway, that's it for another year of Sifted Fantasy League. Uh, we'll be back next year to do a draft. Uh, if some of you guys are interested in maybe doing a site-wide league with other sifters, uh, we'd like to get that a little more organized this year. I know at least there was at least one community league uh, that Vin Hill and a bunch of people set up. Um, be interested actually to see how everyone did in that and see who the champion mm. of that league is. Uh, some of you may be in the chat already know who won that league, and you can fill us in and let us know. Um, and I'll give you, I'll hit the big button for the winner. So, <laughs> all right, let's move on. It's time to talk about the Switch again. Another game face. Nice. Another game face. Another Switch topic. Because literally, more, we got like three more months of this. Like, really. All right, so let's just go. There's a ton of stuff to talk about. Um, first thing, the dock. The dock part of the Switch apparently increases the capabilities of the Switch. I don't think that's quite what they said. Basically, like when you plug it in to the dock, it's going to run at a higher clock speed. clock speed. Right. And there's a fan in the dock that helps cool it off right. for running that that extra power. Right. So, so uh, well, so if the dock isn't... That's kind of semantic saying it doesn't because it does well, improve well, its performance. No, it doesn't. Because well, if you don't have the dock, it only run, it runs at the slower right, clock but speed. Right, but the point is it could run at that higher clock speed without the dock. It's just not smart because of the heat. The dock is not adding any processing power to this thing. Right. It's just... It's it, providing the gateway to be more powerful. But you could, if you dug into the thing, you could overclock it on your own, and it would still run just fine without the dock. The dock is just there. It cool because the real reason it doesn't run at a higher clock speed, even aside from the heat, is because there's no reason to run higher than 720p on that tiny screen. Yeah, it's just going to save battery that way. Um, but I'm sure there's no reason it couldn't run at 1080p on when you know when it's removed from the dock. It's just it doesn't because it's pointless in terms of power saving and in terms of you know risking the heat. Uh, the extra heat that generates. So the other thing about the dock is they're saying that the docks are going to be relatively cheap and they will be releasing them for separate purchase shortly after launch. Mm. So the idea there is you have a TV in your bedroom, you have a TV in your living room, you buy two different docks so you can just take your Switch right. tablet around with you wherever you want you just dock it at whatever TV that you want to play it at. Remember on. when I said the plan for this system was a gouge just with accessories? Yeah. Because I know what's going to happen is they're going to make docks in different colors. Right. They, I, they may not make the system or maybe even the controllers no. in different colors, but you know they're going to make... Oh, yeah. The dock is your customization item. Right. For sure. It's, that's what you're going to buy. The dock to, in different colored Joy-Cons. Yeah. To make it match the room mm -hmm. or whatever, or just whatever color that you like. But that's kind of how I think the docking system's going to yeah. work. So how cheap do you think cheap is in this situation? 50 bucks? Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. I, I kind of think maybe 30. Really? Because it's nothing. It's a, it's a piece of plastic with a fan in it and some plugs. Yeah. Like, if it doesn't come with the cables and shit... Like, I think it'll be 50 bucks. They can probably get away with 50. <laughs> I think they could charge 30. Yeah. Well, I think they probably could make... They're probably making it for, like, 10. Right. 
But look, if, it's, if like, that. it depends what they want to do with it. If they want it to be sort of this, like, you get another one for your house for, like, upstairs and downstairs, one thing. If you want it to be like, I'm going to buy a dock to bring give my best friends so I can play, we can play my Switch when I bring it over to his house, then you maybe make I mean, it cheaper. The other thing they could do, too, is create collector's editions of games yeah, that, that come comes with, with a game-themed dock. Oh, boy. I mean, it could this get really yeah. dirty. Yeah. <laughs> it's smart, though. Yeah, I mean, people will buy game. People will buy a Zelda oh, dock with the Triforce on the dock or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's no doubt. Uh, let's. I mean, it does confirm that the dock is basically nothing. Yeah. In terms of you know, there's no extra storage, there's no hard drive, there's no anything. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a toaster slot with a fan in it. Pretty much. So. Yeah. I mean, there's something that it does to enable the clock speed. I don't know if that's just well, a sensor on it or I don't know just, how that Once works. you plug it in, it knows it's plugged in, and now we run at this higher clock speed. Right. That's so it's just it a sensor yeah. or something. It's just a switch in the thing somewhere. Uh, let's see. Two new games were announced for the Switch this week, both of which were indie type games. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing especially interesting. Um, Probably the biggest announcement software-wise, though, is that From Software is looking into porting the Dark Souls trilogy. I don't believe that to Switch. You don't believe it? Dark Souls Three, yes. The, the whole trilogy, no, no. They, they won't remaster one. Or if they do do a trilogy, it'll come out on everything. It's not just going to come out on Switch. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say um, that as well. But they've resisted remastering Dark Souls One for some reason for quite a while now, uh, and I feel like if they were going to do it, they would have done it by now. Unless, I mean, Nintendo could have thrown money at them for it, but like... Uh, if Nintendo were smart, what it would really do is pay from software to remaster Demon's Souls. Well, they can't do that because Sony owns it. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot that that was a first-party game. If Sony was smart, they would remaster right. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's like the most requested thing I see from Dark Souls fans at yeah. this point, is they want a remastered Demon's Souls. And it's like, yeah, whatever. But it's like... It's fine. I mean, it's a good game. It's like, yeah. you know, I went back to play it, and like, I can actually play it now. The first time I tried to play it back when it came out, I was like, I don't know what the fuck. You know, I, I was completely flustered by it, but now I'm like, oh, I can just run through this because I understand it now. Um, yeah, I'd play a remastered version of that. Sure, no problem. And I'm like, look, but the thing is, like... The Does also- this make a difference, though? Is this going to help... In general or to me? To For Nintendo. I don't know. I mean, the Dark, Dark Souls 3 for Switch. Look, Does that matter? Apparently... Because look, to me, it's just another another entry in the parade of games I've already played on other platforms for the system. Didn't but we th- already see watch this movie with the Wii U though, where yeah. it's like, hey, at launch, we're gonna have all these old games that were really good that people liked, and it's gonna make people buy our new hardware, and it did nothing. Yeah, but sever relationships with third party developers and publishers. True, but like, I mean, look, I've seen a ton of positive response to this online. Now that once that rumor came out, I don't know why. I mean, how many Dark Souls fans do not own a PlayStation Four or Xbox One? They, no, they all own PlayStation Fours. They all own Dark Souls Three. They all own. They they'll, they'll buy it again. These people. I mean, Dark Souls fans are crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, you see them. I mean, look, and I'm a Dark Souls fan too. I kind of get it, but it's like, like you know, like the gaff thread was just. Pages and pages of people like saying, "Oh my God, my dreams have come true! I can play Dark Souls Portable." I'm just like, really? Because I've never imagined myself <laughs> wanting to play a tiny dark game that's really hard with no pause function Dude, on a six-inch screen. This is the last like, game I would ever want to play on the go. I don't, I don't get it at all. I don't like, know. I would never. Game. It was never a game I would have thought I wanted to play portable. It, I mean, I don't know how you do that or why you'd I want mean, to do it. But there's people the that just are devoted of... to this this series. It's the only thing they play. They want to play it on every imaginable platform, and more power to them, I guess. But like, I, I'm not going to begrudge anybody for it. But no, it doesn't but... make a, a lick of sense to me. 
No, but if it it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not if enough people do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like yeah, financially. Look, I if mean, two million Dark Souls fans want to buy Dark Souls three again to play it on a screen the size of a soap bar, like fine. I mean, that's do you huge think win. Do that huge though. Win. I mean, do you think they're really gonna buy a Switch just to play a portable version of Dark Souls? They say that. I mean, the, the, I don't believe the that. react. Maybe they, when the money's on the table, I maybe not. But like, yeah. look. Response to this has been huge in the Dark Souls fan community. Everybody, well, that's good uh, to hear. Other than like the PC only people, like the, you know, like there's people that are just like, oh my god, I'm like, look, I'm never going to play this thing portably. I, I can't yeah. even. I can. Barely... It seems like there's nothing worse to play portable than the series. Well, especially because it's like, how do you even see stuff coming? And like, I mean, oh, I know. It's like, plus you make one little mistake, you die. Oh, yeah. It's like if your screen's like, shaking oh, all around and like, yeah, it's like, oh, your train's coming in. Oh, the light or the, light the hit sun hits yeah, the screen exactly. at the wrong moment, like. Like I just I would never would never occur to me to play. and of course also I assume if you're playing on the go you can't do online which means right. no co-op no yeah. uh, no which in- helps invasion. a lot of people get through the game. <laughs> um, I just wouldn't ever want to play the game like that. I, I yeah, just, don't get it, it either. Never be a thing. But you know the more software on this thing the better, especially stuff that's more you know adult M-rated targeted. But again, uh, it falls into the same category of Skyrim for me, where it's just like I've already played it and like not just you know in terms of Skyrim like. I would have maybe said that before the remaster as well, but I've already now I've already played the remaster for almost right. 100 hours. So why would I buy it again and play it on another system? Like I just we also got to think too. Also, most of the rest of the lineup that isn't the Mario game and the Zelda game I already own on the Wii U. So right. what am I buying? The other point, point too with the Wii U, with all those ports that came over at launch, they actually worked on those to make them work with the Wii U hardware. Right. Wasn't especially compelling, but they tried. Like, at least they had, like, the two-screen experience and used some of the functionality of the Wii U. I mean, what are we getting with these Switch ports? You can take 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 them on the the go. go. That's it? Which holds no interest for me, so I don't know what the... I mean, it holds some interest for me, but... It certainly doesn't hold any interest for me in Dark Souls territory. I mean, it's like... Yeah. that's not a game that I'm. That it's like a. That's a jaunty train game. I don't. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I would never want to play that under anything other than ideal conditions. Jaunty. Basically, <laughs> like that is not a thing I just bust out on the airplane. You know, yeah. like, it's. I, it wouldn't. It wouldn't occur to me that I want to play Dark Souls right now in a, a non-ideal situation. Basically, yeah. like like Dark Souls is something I sit down and concentrate on. Yep. Uh, let's move on. So we already showed you a little bit of the footage, but the Switch was shown off on the Tonight Show. What do you think about that? I mean, we kind of got a heads up that Nintendo was going to mm. be on there, but kind of the word that it filtered out was that it was going to be for Super Mario Run, which was mm. on the show. But then they a, do a huge Switch reveal, like kind of, completely stealth. Well, good. I mean, it's like, well, I mean, it's, this is the, the kind of exposure they need. Because... You realize, Matt, this was the first time this system was ever, the real system was ever shown working. Mm. Ever. Well, smart. Was it smart to not tell people what was going to happen, though? Sure. I, I still saw it, didn't I? I? So did I. I mean, we're hardcore gamers, though. Yeah, but, but there were why casual you... people who'd be like, oh my gosh, the new Nintendo console, I'll actually well, watch the... Jimmy Fallon tonight for well, that. the idea is the casual people were already watching The Tonight Show, which is... A, a misnomer in the modern yeah. day. I mean, maybe if it was the old Carson days, it would have been yeah. more true. Um, but it's a mainstream outlet, a mainstream show on a major network that then you know everybody was able to catch up with online the next day. So I mean, look, I, I, I sure totally get why it. Nintendo did it. Yeah. But I'm just saying it should have been like promoted out the yin yang. I mean, we should have known well, Switch first live demo of Switch on Jimmy Fallon. Like all we knew is like Nintendo and Super Mario Runs going to be on Fallon. Well, it makes, like, it makes me wonder. I didn't if, watch it live. Well, it makes me wonder how last minute 
you know, or how down to the wire they knew whether they were able to do it or not. Right. You know, like where they maybe they had to get the Switch hardware from Japan. Certainly, they got had to get Miyamoto from Japan apparently because yeah, yeah. he was there. Yeah. Um, I mean, they knew it was going down. They knew it was big stuff too. Yeah, but I mean, if you're not going to promote that, especially if you're Jimmy Fallon, I mean, Jimmy Fallon would want to promote that for yeah. sure. So maybe it makes me think that they just didn't maybe didn't know until even the day of if it was really going to happen. Could be. So we see the switch working for the mm-hmm. first time in the real world. What's your impression? That's the same. The I mean, same? Yeah. Like, was there something? Like, I don't know, like the speed at which it goes from being docked to working handheld. Yeah. Like, that's quick and smooth, yeah. I thought. Like, that's about what they showed in the teaser. I mean, obviously, you can't always trust the Well, they the would teasers. cut. Like, in the yeah. teaser, it didn't show you how long it took from the time you picked it up to well, walking away. Well, because that's all simulated, but it's like, it seems like they got pretty close to that. It's good. Um, I was really sure. impressed with that the short amount of and this, time. I mean, Zelda looks. Zelda looked like it because I played Zelda on the Wii U. Zelda looked like it was running smoother on this. It might be my imagination, but I feel like it looked smoother than what I played on the Wii U at yep. E3. I mean, I. I'm not going to try to pretend I'm Digital Foundry on right. that, but like watching the footage on this makes me made me think. Oh, that looks better. Oh, yeah. That's... It really looks to run smoother, definitely. Also, you can tell how big the controllers are. You can see it in mm-hmm. Reggie's hand. Reggie has big hands. Those controllers, that's not a small controller, the Pro no, Controller. That's, that's approaching the Duke. Yeah, like, that's in a terms big of boy. Full, like, full size. Yep. There's some other shots. I mean, if you really go and watch this, like, some of it, like, frame by frame, there's tons of little clues in here. In fact, mm-hmm. GamesRadar did a great story yesterday, which nobody looked at on Sifted. I have no idea why. But it did a great story about this, where it went frame by frame and showed all the little details. Like, uh, at one point, they show the back of the dock, and you can see the fan. Mm-hmm. And this was before all this, the information came out about the fan being in the dock. And people were like, oh my gosh, there's a fan in the dock. Um, there's one point where Jimmy Fallon holds the tablet by himself with one hand. And you can it's pretty obvious that it weighs like nothing. Because mm-hmm. it's like he's not laboring, he's not like scared and like having his second hand there in case it falls or anything like that so there's all kinds of little stuff that you can glean from this if you watch the footage and pause it and kind of zoom in on it and things like that so i would say actually it did have an impact on me like i'm more impressed with switch after watching this demo on jimmy fallon like i seriously wondered if it was going to take like a long time to sink like you can see here look how thin it is mm-hmm. i mean i mean it's a mini tablet basically yeah, but it's just, it looks really light. My big worry yeah. was that it was going to weigh as much as, like, the gamepad or something like that. No, it, looks, not. it looks real thin, real light. I mean, it, but it also... It's a shame that screen doesn't go all the way to the edge. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like that giant black bezel. But look this. at it. It's pretty crazy to think how much technology Nintendo has put into... All, that, all the tech yeah. is in that screen. And it's got uh, the giant logo on the back. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if the white logos or the gray logos on the back of that is just for this demo. Because they wanted it on TV for no, people. I think that's what it's going to look. You like. really think so? Yeah, I think that'll be on the back of the actual. Because it's got it's got tons of like you know like like little, little detailed small print there. You're not going to be able to see that on TV. Yeah, I think that's just what's on the back of the screen. I mean, it looks like they're in production. Yeah, this... I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that was about as close to final production as they have right now. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's ready to rock and roll. They and it looks pretty good. Just you know, we we certainly know from experience that. Shooting a screen doesn't necessarily turn out well. Right. And that looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I the reflections aren't too bad. 
You can see some fingerprints there. Yeah, some fingerprints. But it's like if you're, you know, you can see the details in the game once, you know, when the when the studio lights. I mean, there's a lot of light on this thing right now, but you can see it. It looks good. It even looks good and, and smooth from the, you know, looking at it from the camera. Like that's very easy for a game. You know, there's no. Uh, refresh line problems. It's, it looks solid. Yeah, I'm impressed with it. I think it showed really well. Well, I mean, it, it looks like it does exactly what they said it does. Yeah. So, and no, nothing went horribly wrong. And I mean, I, it wasn't live, so it didn't really matter. But like, uh, it seems like what we saw in that teaser is pretty legit. Le- is legit. Yeah, it's real. That's good to see. Uh, let's see. Just as a sidebar. Um, this kind of came out after the Tonight Show, after they showed it off on the show. Super Mario Run mm-hmm. needs an always online connection. <laughs> you cannot play the game on, like, a plane. That's incredibly stupid. That's crazy. And they said, of course, it's because of piracy. Right. Because you know Nintendo's freaked out about mobile, dude. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, you hear about this jailbreaking stuff happening. Oh, like, yeah. they. They could just like. It's, it's starting to remind me of like a suburb kid like going to the city for the first time. Oh yeah, and he's like, make sure you take your hubcaps <laughs> yeah. off before you go in there. <laughs> take a gun with you. Yep. Yeah, or at least a tire iron. Yeah, you're totally right. That's a good. <laughs> that is freaking funny. But yeah, it's just being crazy, over paranoid, thinking that the iPhone's gonna get hacked and their yeah. code's gonna get out well, there. Like, does that mean you can't play it on like an airplane? Yes, that, unless ridiculous. you pay for, like, the crappy go-go and I, and internet. And I saw people defending this decision. It's like... I mean, look, there are certain people that are going to defend everything Nintendo does. I, well, it's like... I mean, but it's like the point at which... How can you be defending this? I mean, it's good for them as a company in terms of trying to protect it, but that's it's incredibly anti-consumer. How you, I swear there's people... That, like, Reggie could, like, eat their dog in their backyard... And they would say that the dog shouldn't have been barking at him. I mean, I would say that about Final Fantasy XV. I've seen some of the oh, people true. coming out of the woodwork about that game. Just total denial. Well, over there's also the there's like issues. a level of like you can't. There's people that just don't understand the idea that just because you like something. I mean, look, I love No Man's Sky. I'm not going to yeah. call it good. Right. I like a lot of mediocre to bad shit. Yeah. Like I'm in movies. My God. It's like <laughs> you know. So I'm not. I'm certainly not going to say that like this game You're that wrong I love. For liking this, I'm not going to say this game I love is a good game. I'm going to say I love it. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. And I think the same thing is true of, of Final Fantasy 15, which I hate. Yeah. But like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me anybody loves it. But it's like if you lo- just because you love something doesn't mean it's good. Right. So that's I, unfortunately not the tack that most of the yeah, people I've are noticed, taking. Yeah, I've noticed. I've noticed. But uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy 15 reminds me of No Man's Sky in a lot of ways in that regard, where it's just like. It, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's somehow possible to love this flawed ball of crap. Yeah. Um, because I love my flawed ball of crap. <laughs> so I just don't see it. It's just, you know. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. We, we're getting uh, up against it with time here. Uh, Samurai Mario, the t-shirt the that t-shirt Miyamoto is wearing in the, yeah. in the audience. What do you think of that, Matt? I think people sure love to read stuff into minor things. I mean, he does that, though. Yeah, he does. I mean, that's what he does. Like, when he goes places, when he wears a shirt, like, that shirt usually means something. Yeah. Well, so it's... And I think even Bill Trinan made a comment yeah. yesterday saying, yes, that shirt means something. Well, it probably means that there's your new power-up for the new game. He becomes Samurai yeah, Samurai armor. I mean, the little clip that they showed of it in the original Switch trailer didn't look like it had a weird, like, samurai theme to it or anything. No, but that doesn't mean it's not there. I mean, Mario 3 didn't power have... Power-ups. Mario power 3 ups, didn't yeah. have a weird Japanese animal theme, but he still turned into a tanuki. Right. Good point. 
Yeah, and they Mario for an Italian plumber. Mario has a very deep uh, grasp of Japanese <laughs> really mythology does. and Good lore. Job, Sam so. pulling that footage up. Great job, man. Sam's the man. So, he went but, and found that footage. But Mario right away. likes to put on different outfits. It wouldn't surprise me. And who? Maybe it's not just Samurai. Maybe he wears a whole bunch of different historical outfits or different like job outfits. I mean, uh, my bigger question is, how do you feel about Mario having a sword? How does that work? I'm I'm sure he just cuts bamboo down or something. <laughs> I don't I don't think Mario. We have an be, M-rated Mario coming. I don't think Mario's gonna be beheading. Just slicing Goombas in half. Yeah. And then, Finally, we get to see what's inside those things. Are they mushrooms or are they chestnuts? Nobody knows. There's their whole advertising campaign for Super Mario Switch. What's inside a Goomba? Yeah. Maybe you can't penetrate Koopa shells. Or maybe they could use my idea, the whole Ginsu knife-like parody for a new Mario game. I thought that interesting, though. I mean, that's an aggressive portrayal of Mario for him Mm. to be dressed as a samurai. I want that shirt also, by the way. Because you never see Mario dress as anything aggressive or angry or violent. Yeah. It's always nerfed. Yeah, he's usually... Uh, at, at, at most, it's a, it's a mobility thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and then finally, GameCube Virtual Console Backwards Compatible Support for the Switch. Do you care? Um, me. Me. <laughs> Fine, you know. Again, like depends what you put out, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, I love to see virtual console stuff continue to be put out on a regular basis, but sometimes you get linked to the past, and sometimes you get other M. So same deal. You have to rebuy the ROMs. You, right. Doesn't matter if you own them beforehand. It doesn't. You know, you're just you got to buy it again. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think everyone expects that from Nintendo. At yeah. This so point. it's not like there's no disc slot in this thing, which is pretty no. weird. I mean, it's just got the cards. Yeah. So the cards hold enough. I yeah. Think. So obviously, backwards compatibility for any disc-based system won't yeah, work. Yeah, you're at their mercy in terms of what they put on the VC. I do wonder though if 3DS backwards compatibility might be an option though. Um, I don't think the cartridge slot is compatible now. Oh, really? That's what I read. Okay. Well, so much for that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, GameCube, I mean, it has a. That's a pretty good library. I doubt you'll see much of the third-party stuff popping up on there. First-party stuff, 10 or 12 games that are definitely worth maybe going back and playing. If you haven't already played them on the Wii U. And I wonder, too, if they'll have some Granted, a lot of people have not because the Wii U did not sell very well. Right. However, I'm sure most of their early adopters for this system will already own a Wii U because they're going to be the Nintendo faithful, so who knows? I'm wondering, too, if perhaps the GameCube games could look a little better because this is software emulation and not hardware emulation. That's possible. It'd be, it'd be nice to see them put out some of the GameCube games that um, are very hard to get on like the second Animal market. Animal Leader, stuff like that, like some of the more bizarre stuff that Nintendo published. That, or like, I was thinking like um, the Rogue Squadron games, which, you know, not only are they hard to come by, but they, uh, uh, they're very hard to emulate, so even yeah. dolphin owners don't have a lot of luck with that. I would say maybe the the, the Fire Emblem game yeah. for that, and the Wii, uh, because those things command this ridiculous secondary market price. Uh, I do, I have them, but like it would be nice to have them virtually for someone who doesn't want to pay two hundred something bucks for right, these things. Right. Um, Skies of Arcadia. I would like to see the GameCube. I totally that forgot that came out on the GameCube. Yeah. That's right. And it was better because the encounter rate wasn't ridiculous. I totally forgot that. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see them maybe bring that back if Sega can wake up and remember they used to make that. <laughs> used to make great games. Um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that. What was that? Uh, what was that game where you were the princess with the cards? Remember that? 
Two. Oh, uh, it was from, that was from From Software, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was like you had, you were. Oh, the, Bot and Kaitos. No, that was a different card RPG oh. thing. This was like, uh, this was like I think it had Kingdoms in its name or something. But you were like a, it was it was like Bot and Kaitos, but not. No, as I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah, it was, there were two of them. Yep. And it was like you had a deck of cards, and she like. Dealt yeah, them I remember. And I know what you're talking yeah. about. I can't remember the name of it. Someone in chat maybe will figure it out though. Lost, Lost Kingdoms. Kingdoms. Yep. It was Kingdom something. <laughs> I'd be nice to see like the weird obscure stuff come back because yeah. that stuff's hard to find these days. Yeah, but, uh, inexpensive if you do find it. So yeah, same with like some you know what I'd love to I'd love to get a couple of the Mario sports games from the GameCube that I never got, which are obscenely expensive. Really, now. Mario Strikers and the and the baseball game like they're pricey. Really, yeah. all Nintendo stuff is like that because it's like once it's gone, it's gone, and they never discount it. So. Yeah. All right, let's move along. Another big week of Switch. That's the last time we'll talk about Switch, and probably until, until the January, big event January 12th. January yeah. 12th, because we'll get back the first week of January. Maybe we'll do one more sh- one because we'll do the draft, mm-hmm. and then maybe we'll do one game face before that happens. We'll see how it works out. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure tons of information is going to come out over the next few weeks as well. Oh, it's the not leaks are. Probably, I mean, if the oh, leaks... we should also mention Reggie did say it's on track for March okay. in on tonight's show. We should mention that. So. Uh, let's see, moving along. So, you know, usually America is the leader when it comes to passing new legislation that protects consumers or just protects people in general. But in the last week, Asia has actually broken ground on a couple of different laws that I was shocked that were first sort of introduced in the East. Uh, the first one is in South Korea. And South Korea, if you get caught cheating playing I don't think it's it if you it's not if you get caught cheating. If you create like a a wall hack or mm. an aimbot and they can figure out that it was you that built that wall hack or that aimbot, it's punishable by five years in prison <laughs> and like a fifty thousand dollar fine. That seems yeah. extreme. Well, that's what happens when you have a you live in a country that doesn't have a bill of rights. Is that true? South Korea doesn't have a Bill of Rights? I don't think they have anything equivalent to our Constitution. Yeah. Now there's the UK, for that matter. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the, the freedom of speech thing is unusual. So we don't have any hate crime laws. Right. Hate speech laws. Right. So what do you think about this? I mean, look, it's South Korea. It's the home of esports. Yeah. I, I mean, on one hand, like, I hate cheating in online games, so it's just like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of fun to see, like, you know, the book thrown at that idea. Um, but it doesn't really surprise me in the sense that there's so much money at stake right. in these things. Like right. It, it, it's, I mean, it's kind of surprising it hasn't happened yet already. I mean, I mean, there's so much at stake here now too. Yeah. I mean, all these pro athletes, these pro sports teams are buying their e- these esports teams. Like, mm-hmm. it's big money everywhere. Like, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm shocked that South Korea did this before America did. Well, I think if this happened, tried to happen in America, you would run into a problem where people would argue that the wall hacks and the and the stuff that I think that you would, there would be an argument that that's protected speech because it's uh, it's it's art or it's or it's uh, some kind of it's it's a it's an expression of something. Um, I don't know if that would win. I don't, I don't know if that would hold up, but that would be the argument. And uh, that kind of an argument has a has, has, it's, it has a very strong basis in a country with. You know, with our First Amendment, that's going to be a hard thing to overcome. I don't know if you can argue that something you write specifically to let people cheat in a game qualifies as speech, but if if, if some court decides it is, then it's protected. Yeah. I don't um, see that happening, though. That doesn't necessarily mean the person using it is protected, though. 
because you're, you're the cheating at the game is different than writing the cheat program. For oh, the for game. sure. So yeah. that might be the way you go with it here. So in America, it would be the user that gets possibly. I mean, but again, it's like how do you even police that? Like, basically, it would be to prevent stuff like that from happening in actual sanctioned tournaments. I mean, how do these esports events work, actually? I don't know. Like, do you come up to, and there's a PC down at your feet that you are playing on? Or are the PCs, like, in another room somewhere? No, they're, they're, they're at your station, as far as I know. I mean, you could come in and plug in, like, a USB dongle. In theory, but I think they'd notice that. Would they? I mean, I'm, look at this. Is, it seems insane. They're that stuff is checked. People running around, I don't know. I'm sure they do walkthroughs and stuff. I mean, yes, that's why that the whole thing in the in the Switch teaser where everybody like brings their switches in and plugs yeah. them in to play the Splatoon tournament. That's why that's ridiculous. You wouldn't be allowed to use your own hardware. Yeah, it would all be provided. by I mean, the I know they can't use their own. Look, but... and there's a point at which you just got to say like, you know, it's like fighting game tournaments. Like, you know, everybody they set all that stuff up, and you just got to trust that something's not wrong going on there. This, I'm sure, is more. Sanctioned because there's millions of dollars at stake and these millions of dollars in sponsorship money and stuff. I this, mean, is, this is a national sport there. I, I think that, one, the people who are into esports are smart enough to do it. And two, I think there's enough money on the line that they would be motivated enough to do it. Sure, but I also think the people running esports are also on that level. Yeah, so could be. it might be an escalating form of warfare, but like, I, like, like, you know, at the, how about just like okay, if you well, the solution there might just be like okay, uh, we're gonna take all the PCs on the floor for this, and we're just gonna plug the USB slots. Yeah, with like a little lock thing. That could be that. right. So the other law, if we thought of it, someone running these things thought of it. I, I promise you. Maybe, I don't know, man. Sometimes I feel like I give too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, it. but I don't. I don't think plug USB cheat device into PC is really an advanced strategy <laughs> in that regard. Uh, the other law. This Although one... I would watch the movie where an esports team like breaks in Mission Impossible style to the venue the night before to screw with the PCs that they're. There's an esports movie coming with Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell is like the lead actor. He's oh, yeah. supposed to be like this old like, like over a heist the thing where he, like, star. Like, where he fixes this thing. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And then they get assigned to the, the other plot. bank of PCs. Right. <laughs> so they they <laughs> cheated for their opponents right. and then their opponents get caught. Right. And they all get thrown in jail. <laughs> and then they feel bad because it was their fault so they have to break the <laughs> opponent team out of jail. Man, Call me, Warner Brothers. Sadly. Be way better than whatever Zack right, Snyder's doing next. Right. Sadly, that plot synopsis, I guarantee you, is way better than what the movie will end up being. I guarantee it. Uh, so the other law was passed in China, of all places. China has now mandated that any game that offers microtransactions or loot boxes or whatever the hell your game calls them, you now have to tell the user what the percentage chance is of them getting each item. I'm kind of into that. Hallelujah! Yeah. I can't believe that they're not required to do this already. That's insane. Like, yeah. like China passes well, this well, law. Because it's also like no one's... It's like there's no one's paying attention, really, you know? <laughs> I guess. Like, it infuriates me when I go to, like... Even when I'm spending, like, points I earned in the game... To buy a loot box, mm -hmm. it drives me crazy how little information I have, and oh, that's yeah. what I'm about spending real money. Well, of course, that's why the the companies don't want you to know, because like, look, if I've only got a three percent chance right. of getting no that costume, buy well, I'm not doing that. Yeah, exactly. They're like scamming people, basically, or not? I don't call it scamming. They're 
intentionally misleading Which or they're doing whatever it is that those stupid claw machine games do pretty much you know it's like yeah it's like yeah it looks like it'll be easy to do that but that claw doesn't grab with any kind of strength so it's like yeah. you got to know some weird trick to make it work well the claws made out of metal and they're plushies and right. metal does not grip plushy mm. so the chances of you getting it are like zero but most people don't realize that and they just well a lot of those i mean there's, there's youtube videos out the ass on this but it's right. like you know, like, some of them are not, you know, you can adjust the tightness of how it grabs. And right. if it doesn't, you know, if, you're not, if it doesn't grab hard enough. You know, and and you see those guys that are really good at, like, doing that. They're not grabbing it properly. They're figuring out ways to make the, the you know, the, the claw thing, like, hook something on, right. the, on, the, on the item yeah. and, like, drag it over. It's not, you know, it's not like... Uh, it's it, actually picking up the plushie and right. bringing it over. You're cheating the cheat machine, basically, right. at that point. You're, you're, they're good at doing that. So, like, yeah, it's, it reminds me of that, where it's just like, it looks like it should be fine, but you're probably getting screwed. And at the very least, maybe you could stop giving me items for things I already own. Yeah, that sucks, too. How about China, though? Of all countries to do this first. Looking out for the consumer. Well, yeah, but they More also... More than America. They also a they have a hundred thousand something internet cafe. I mean, it's a big deal. That yeah. stuff is a big deal, especially in the free to play market. Yeah. Um, and like they, you know, a lot of those things do not go to them. I mean, they're not a tremendously capitalist society in that regard. So they they want to kind of keep it open in that regard. I, I can see. I it, it kind of makes sense to me that they're the ones who are like, hey. We're the ones who cheat. You. It really, yeah. <laughs> That's my perspective, yeah. though. We're the ones who cheat. <laughs> See, I would think that China would go to like the video game publishers and be like, "Hey, you're going to cut us in on the microtransactions, or we're going to pass this law where you have to provide the percentage chance of getting maybe the loot." Who knows? And maybe the publishers were like, "Screw you!" And this is mm. what happened. Like, I don't know. I, you know, I just talked to somebody about China. Like a week ago, someone who had lived there for a couple years, and like, I thought China had kind of like changed, and no, Mm-mm. like even in Shanghai, it is still like crazy communist. And Don't like, drink the alcohol. Yeah, I mean it's like they still shut off everyone's internet at like seven o'clock at night and if you li- don't live like in this little area in shanghai like everywhere else it gets cut off like wait or like it's crazy it's prime overwatch time what yeah. are you doing <laughs> it's crazy that they have such good like esports teams considering like mm. most people can't play like we're allowed to here in america but i would say i think both of these laws are great yeah like, I agree with both of them. I have no issue with either one of them. Like, As someone who does not cheat in online games and also would like to know what is in that stupid loot crate I'm buying, yeah, yeah, I'm in. And hopefully here in, uh, in the West, not just America, but Europe and everywhere mm-hmm. else, this is something that they can look at. Because right now we're kind of in the Wild West with all this stuff, with microtransactions and esports for that matter. Like, mm. esports could all be rigged. Like, you never know. Like, they could have algorithms running on these machines that make one team's characters run one percent slower like you just don't even know and there's no regulations in place there's no checks and balances it's just like the only thing it's I the was, wild west the only thing i was to say is like these guys play these games so much that if they loaded their games up and their character was running like one percent slower they'd probably notice you think yes i don't know yeah I don't know. I've played a lot of League of Legends, and you could take 1% off a of Teemo, and I would never be able to tell. But do you play League of Legends eight hours a day, every day, for years? No, but I've played it, like, 
for I, years. There's play, there's points at which like you know when I played like an like a re-release or an emulator or another platform version of like Super Street Fighter Turbo Street, Street Fighter Two Turbo. I knew that it was not right. But see, that's well. different. Like with fighting games, I, I would definitely be able to tell the difference. When you're talking about like a character running like half a virtual mile in a video game world. But you don't think that these guys know exactly how long it takes to go from this point to this point on that on X map? There's all kinds of variables though that come into play. Like whether your character runs around the tower on the right side or he runs around the tower on the left side. There's no way to be that exact with League of Legends to make your character do the same exact thing every time. I, I, just, I just feel like someone who has been playing this for years professionally would be able to I do would that. say 5% they'd be able to notice, 1% mm-hmm. no way. And that can make a difference because just the walking time in a MOBA, other, how long it takes to get from like, your base after you die to where the battle is, like, that well, makes a well, difference. Well, the other thing is, like, see, I didn't even think about League of Legends when you said that right. necessarily because I, Riot controls that stuff pretty tightly. I don't think Riot would. I think Riot has the telemetry to know that's going on, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't catch it. Um, something like, like, say, Counter Strike. Maybe that's a different thing. Yeah. And also easier to tell when you're running slower, probably. Yeah. So, I don't really worry about that in those situations. Um, I just think it needs more regulation. Probably. I think esports needs more regulation. I think microtransactions need some. But kind regulation of, by whom? Well, there's the the esports. What is it? Border authority that they just yeah. established like two months ago or whatever. Like they just set up an organization just for this kind of stuff to create. It's like the NFL. They've done of that a couple times though, haven't they? There's one that like all the leagues have agreed to become mm-hmm. a part of and abide by. Oh, World Cyber Games! You were you were, <laughs> you were way good. ahead of your time. You were too ahead of the time. They so. really were for sure. Um, and the microtransaction stuff, like that's just like. It should be like a Securities and Exchange Commission type thing that should be like checking on that to make sure it's all legit. Like, and who checks to make sure that those rates are right? You know, that when you say you have a 3% chance of getting this, that it's actually legit and you don't have like a 0% chance of getting it. Like, that's all stuff that these publishers can just set and no one would ever know. Mm-hmm. So, until someone blows the whistle and then it all comes tumbling, tumbling down. down. Or you could just regulate. Or it, like, you could, or China something happens like with T Martin, and nobody gives a shit because that's also yeah. a thing that apparently happens. It's true, We've it's possible. All right, let's move on. Dead Rising Four. Matt, I asked you to uh, if you had played this this week, and mm. you said no. No. And you asked me if I had played it, and I said no. And then was he begrudgingly said, "Well, I can play it." Yeah. <laughs> but I don't really want to. No, I don't. And then I wrote back. It would be a hole in the show. (laughs) You acquiesced and basically said, all right, but I'm buying the retail version so I could sell it back. (laughs) Yep. So you jumped on the grenade, although I actually, I wanted to play this. I I actually would have been pretty excited to play it. I just didn't have the time. So is it as bad as you had thought, like, before you decided you didn't want to buy it? I didn't think it was going to be bad. I just thought it was going to be blah. Yeah. Is it blah? I think it is. Really? Look, I'm, I mean, we've, we, this has been kind of a theme for this episode, but like, I'm, I'm tired of zombies. I don't care. Um, this, played, this game did, did it differently, though. I sort mean, it, of, but like, there's been tons of like games about where like you're fighting hordes of things uh, in the last few years. It's not really unique anymore. There's, you know, this series is ten years old. I really like Dead, Dead Rising One. Um, uh, I played Dead Rising Two entirely co-op, uh, which I enjoyed. Um, Dead Rising 3 left me ice cold. I didn't, I didn't like I Dead didn't, Rising 3 either. I, and I thought I had kind of given up on the series after that game. So, I, play, I haven't played a ton of this. I've played a little bit into Chapter 1, so it's probably like a couple hours in. Um, 
I don't find the like if you can see here like this is the very they all beginning. dance in unison. They're all like <laughs> the, the, the the hack and slashing is really kind of anemic. I think it's like this, floaty. Doesn't it's very like it floaty. has any weight yeah. and impact. Like, yeah. There's there's not a lot of uh, well, they don't react. Not, yeah, and they don't react, and like there's no and like it's weird because like. They they hit you and your life goes down, but there's no real indication other than like the life bar, which you can't see because it's under the rise from your grave uh, CG there. But like, it just it starts at 500 and drops, and like and like, I don't notice that I'm losing health until like drops way low, and I'm just like, oh, I guess I got hit a bunch of times, so I didn't even know. You know, it used to be like, yo, the other Dead Rising games were intense. Like, oh yeah, I, I could, died a ton in the first one. And it's just, and then like just like you know, I drink orange juice or whatever, and I'm fine. Um, you know, and like so, you've got like the the action. You know, you're hitting here, and like you can see the little number there is like your your combo oh, no. meter, yeah. and eventually it gets up. I think around, I think every fifty, uh, you can do like a signature move or a skill move. I think it is like there. You see the Y plus B. Yeah. You hit that, and that's that's his where he slams and shoots the every every weapon has a different. That's pretty move. amazing. Um, that every weapon has a special. I mean, this is they're all sort of in the same. You know, it's like the flaming ones shoot the flame fire, and then the electric ones you like electrocute everyone around you. Um, I made a. Uh, I also because I also made like a grenade hammer later, which, which I think is that exact same weapon, and it did the same thing. Um, you know, there's. A, I mean, there's a lot of fun uh, explosive stuff going on, uh, but it's not anything you haven't already played before. Really, uh, it's much more story focused so far than the others have been. Uh, there's a lot of. Uh, I thought the first one was pretty story focused. Somewhat, but there wasn't as many cutscenes. Um, there's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of story stuff at the beginning of this with because uh, it's 16 years. Yeah, what's the plot? It's 16 years after uh, Dead Rising One, so it's 2021 or 2022 or something like that. Um, Frank is now 52. He was 36 in the first game. I found that out today. Uh, by looking him up on the Dead Rising wiki. Uh, by the way, do not look him up on the Dead Rising wiki <laughs> because the first paragraph tells you the end of this game. Oh wow! <laughs> um, so just well, that just, is the nature of a wiki, really. Sort of, but it's like it came out two days, whatever, how many days ago. You don't right. need to put it at the fucking top of the article. Bite yeah, me, like right. you know what this is. Yeah, Come on, yeah, you're right. I don't even care about spoilers, but I'm just like, you know what? That's going to ruin someone's day. I don't care, but yeah. like, it, 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 that's not there's no need for that. That's just being a dick. Wiki Dick, and um, <laughs> so uh, so he's a professor of journalism now, and uh, this is his one of his students uh, who's who says she, they're going to play mini golf, but instead they're driving to Willamette the, in Colorado, the place where they uh, why where, would they the, what because they're friends or whatever. He's like his, she's like his best student, right? But why would they go play mini golf at night? Because he loves mini golf. This is literally dialogue from the game. He's like, "You told me we were going to play mini golf." She's like, "No, we're." It's like, "I love mini golf." And like, it's it, here's the thing. Like, the, it's bad. It's, it's well, it's bad, but it's also funny. Like, oh, okay. It's very he's, unintentionally funny. Or no, you... it's intent. It's written as a comedy. Oh, okay, basically. okay. It's it's very. There's a lot of funny stuff. Like, so there's a there's. Well, a that's whole... a little weird too, though, because I mean, the, the other games had tongue in cheek moments. Oh, this series has always been basically a farce. I mean, all the bosses, all the psychopaths were like giant stereotypical crazy people. I mean, yeah, but it, it had like, a serious tone in the first couple games. I don't know, man. That, that first helicopter, hey, I've covered wars, pal. I'm freelance. Like, that, you know, it's that kind of. No, I don't think stuff. that was an intentional comedy at all. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. Maybe not. No. It's Capcom. I mean, that was also ago, when yeah. the game was developed in Japan. True. This is developed in the West. Yeah, this is intentionally fun. There's a lot of banter. Uh, so and it is funny. It's good writing. Yeah, okay. I, I think it's funny. And part of it's because I like Frank as a character. Yeah. Um. So he's kind of he helped keep me going here. Uh, yeah. 
But they go, you know, and they go, uh, so this is where the, she's driving him to this place where the, outside of Willamette where apparently there's been testing or something going on and you infiltrate the facility and yes, it turns out there's zombies and this is weird to them because, you know, after the events of Dead Rising 2 and 3, uh, the Zombrex exists to, like, control it if you've been bitten and there's a vaccine if you haven't. So basically the entire human population is immune to the zombie virus, so how can there be zombies? And how and, can there be a Dead Rising 4? Right. <laughs> and, that, and that's kind of the, the core mystery right now. Uh, is what is happening there. God, yeah. um, and, uh, and through the whole thing, like, you know, it's very aware that it is the fourth game. It's very aware that the zombie thing is kind of played out. There's a whole thing where, like, there's all these different rooms you have to go through where, like, the zo- they're, like, testing rooms for the zombies where you can, like, burn them or whatever. And, like, he burns the zombie. And he's like, yeah, who needs, bar- who wants barbecue? And the girl's like, I was like, oh my god, how can you say that? That used to be a person. He's like, it's a zombie. Who cares? You know, I was like, yeah. Frank's us. Frank's like, like we've killed millions of these. We don't, you know, no, there's no, there's no, you know, sanctity left. Yeah, forget these. it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see that on The Walking Dead all the time too. That's the TV show yeah. where it's like some people care about the zombies and other people are like, dude, they're just meat bags. So and they get caught and you have to escape and she ditches him and basically it cuts to like four months later at Christmas because it's like September here. It's cut of Christmas. He's been on the run for four months. He's wanted by the FBI, like the Pentagon and the FBI. He's like, like, there's like a news broadcast, like Frank West, public menace, and like, yeah. um, set to a version of Oh Christmas Tree, which I believe was sung by Bjork. <laughs> like, really? There's a lot of great Christmas music in this game. In fact, when you pause, the, when you go to the pause menus, you get like swing band covers of Christmas carols. It's fantastic. It is all um, set during the holidays. Yes, it's all very Christmassy. Which and, plays well right now. I wonder in. Like July eighteenth, how well that? Yeah, plays. I don't know. I don't know how well this one's going to hang together as a platform, right, shall yeah. we say? But basically, uh, so and then like you see like in a cutscene like Willamette's like Christmas mall thing gets taken over by uh, by zombies. And you go and in then, and take uh, out. well, yeah, sort of. You get you get found because he's he's hiding out as a night school photography teacher under the name. Hank East. Oh, <laughs> um, and you only you only know that because when the the the, the zombie defense force whatever guy comes into the the door the room he opens the door and that's the name on the door. Oh, okay. So it's like like it's pretty. And then there's a whole scene where like where Frank tries to be you know because Frank is an idiot right like yeah. you know, that's kind of his character yeah. and so he continually while he's trying to be cool with this dude because he thinks he's under arrest he's trying to like open the window and then smash the window to get out and none of it works no. and finally he throws a desk chair at the thing and it, and it just bounces off he's like yeah I really thought that would work no, see, <laughs> like, it's a lot more comedy then than yeah it's, it's, it's written and entirely over, as, no. and the funny thing is like the, re- the gameplay is pretty straight Dead Rising whereas the Cutscenes are all very funny. Yeah. Um, and they work. I mean, they work. I like Frank. I always liked Frank as a character. I think he works now. And the dialogue they have for him, both, both incidental and in the cutscenes, is, is funny. He's, he's good. There's a whole thing where, he's, where he fights off a bunch of zombies and he's like, wow, I am getting too middle aged for this. <laughs> <laughs> like, Matt, what do you think about the one thing about Dead Rising that it, it does do a little differently than other zombie games is it is the zombies themselves is a there's a focus on quantity versus quality. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you get what we've been seeing in this footage where they all react at exactly the same time in exactly mm-hmm. the same way. They all die the same way. There's hundreds of them standing together doing the same exact idle animation. Oh, yeah, they're, they're definitely flocking this way. Yeah. They might say. I, I, that has been, to me, a huge detriment of this series. Like, I would prefer to have less, but have them be of a higher quality. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of the Resident Evil uh, philosophy. Is like each zombie is a significant matters. threat. <laughs> um, zombie lives zom- matter. Z- yeah, zombie deaths matter <laughs> apparently. Um, but like, you know, and this is that's the thing is like Dead Rising originally was sort of a showcase of like, hey, we can do this now. Right. We can yeah. do huge horror. It was like a tech demo, yeah, really. Pretty much. Um, and of course, uh, and you know, it's and it still is because now it's, it's like got, instead of four hundred zombies, we have a thousand, a thousand zombies. zombies, right? And of course, all the, doing the same thing. And of course, one and one of the draws that still works, I think, is the photography. Yeah, um, photo- I mean, I, that, I, that'll always be an element of games that I will enjoy as long mm-hmm. as it's like not the primary part of the game. Right. As long as it's like something extra that you can do on the side that maybe gives you bonuses and things like that. Yeah, I'm and that's all like this. It. And you get like a list of things it wants you to take pictures of, and, and yeah. like you eventually. I love that in the first it. games. Yeah. And um, and the other fun thing is like you know there's a lot more to it. The camera can has like a has a night vision thing now. The camera has a spectral spectrographer or something that lets you like hack like door locks and stuff. So there's a little more involved in there. Uh, the other fun thing is that you can do selfies. Because uh, selfies have become a thing since Dead Rising One, yeah. Uh, so you can do selfies where you let he pose in front of the camera, and then you use the L the L stick to change his facial expression, so oh, he makes wow. faces like while he's in that. <laughs> and then the other thing that I really found out by accident was you can you know you can sneak because everything has to have a sneaking mode now. Yeah. You can sneak up behind guys and strangle them or choke them to death. If you do that while you have the camera up, he takes a selfie of himself killing the guy. <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. Wow. So wait, there are you interact with more humans in this? Oh yeah, because there's a there's a there's the, all the people that are like running the conspiracy thing. So like you get picked up by the zombie defense whatever the hell people yeah. the ZDC it's okay. called, uh, uh, and like they are bringing you in and then you get shot down by whoever's key because Willamette's been. Uh, having a zombie outbreak for six weeks oh, at this okay. point, right. and so the Pentagon or somebody's keeping it quiet, and like the people that shoot you down with this weird logo on their thing. So, and it's actually in the once you start finding them and taking pictures of them, because uh, you know, like you know, in Dead Rising, when you take a picture, it rates it as you know. So, like zombies are horror, and you know, somebody falling over is comedy. You know, right. so you get different ratings for that. So, when you take pictures of the guys who are running this weird experiment thing, you get a conspiracy. Okay. Rating. So there's like there's a the main bad guys are actually the people that are trying to experiment with these zombies and you're trying to figure out who they are and what they're doing. I see. Um, so there's like there's like two or three different sides to all this and there's a bunch of people caught in the middle. Um, it's a pretty big map from what I've seen. It's definitely more than just the mall. You know, there's, there's a whole you, there's the mall and there's the whole town around it um, and everything's Christmassy. So if you like Christmas, like Christmas. You know, if you're like a diehard Gremlins fan like I am, and like the Christmas thing kind of enhances stuff for you, I kind of dig that. That's pretty fun. Um, but overall, like you know, I've seen I've, I'm not anywhere near finished with it, but I've seen people online complaining it's like seven hours long. Um, granted, usually Dead Rising games are about that long, but you're supposed to play them over and over again. I played the first one way more than that. Yeah, but like the thing about the old Dead Rising games was they had that time limit. Right. Um, you know, you had three days, and you had yeah. to do, and like that's not here really. It's it's it's, it's really not linear, so far. Finish it, you're finished. Type um, game. Yeah, and the other thing, of course, is like I don't know why there's no co-op in this campaign. Like they, they it's also, coming as DLC. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be so, like a separate like mode. Because so far they have seemed to work very hard to make sure there's another character near you at all times in the yeah, story it's not, sections. You won't be able to play through the campaign with somebody else. Yeah. It's a whole separate mode of like mission type thing. Yeah, I, that's what I thought it was going to be. Like, like the campaign feels like it could have been... Well, yeah, you see the girl running around with you like the whole yeah. time. So who would you recommend this to, Matt? Fans Do you think of- Dead Rising fans will like it? 
maybe? Like, it depends what you liked about Dead Rising. If you liked the Dead Rising, like, all the wacky, crazy stuff, and you hated the time limit, like, you'll probably dig this. It's probably yeah. exactly what you want. If you liked that it was kind of like this... I mean, it had the wacky stuff, but it also sort of had this, like, you know, zombie apocalypse simulator element to it, and sort of yeah. had that, that tension of, like, get this done or choose... You can't do both things, you gotta pick one. Like, that's not really here, so, at least so far. It's not really there. Yeah. And I'm very, very early in it. You know, I'm not probably not even two hours in. I didn't have a lot of oh, time. Okay. Um, so I'm not saying this is the definitive word on this. Right. But what I've played so far, it's like, it's enough... Frank is enough, and the writing is enough for me probably to keep going a little bit. You think you'll finish it? I don't know. Seven hours. That's not too bad. That's not too bad, no. Um, there's enough here for me to like it enough to maybe keep going. At least I'm going to play more tonight, probably. Uh, but this th- this thing is on the razor edge of going back to GameStop at any given moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm, at the instant I get tired of this thing, it's going back, and I'm going to trade it in for, like, I don't know, Lego Dimensions figures or something. <laughs> All right. I don't know if that's a glowing endorsement. Not really. I mean, it sounds I, like it's just more of the same. It's more of the same with maybe some removed features that I don't particularly miss anyway. But they also sort of, you know, I didn't. I know. Can oh, you I, still build your own weapons? Oh yeah, and, oh yeah. Okay. And actually, you don't need like workbenches or anything. Oh, so good. You, 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 you can carry a lot more stuff. At least, look. I mean, some of these might. Some of these things might have also been in three, but I didn't play three. I just put three down so fast. Like I might not know that they were things they were carrying over. But you can, you know, you get two weapons. You you find if you have the blueprints, you can just combine them right there, and you're done. Like there's no. Uh, and and I think actually one of the things I combined with it had almost no durability left, and I got full durability out of the new weapons. So maybe that's kind of a way you can sort of keep things going because you do seem to have to use your stuff a lot more in this game. Like there are moments where it's like, well, you got to fight your way out of this giant horde. Because in the other, you remember like Dead Rising One, the other uh, Dead Rising Two, you could kind of, and maybe you can once you uh, you upgrade his skills more. But you, you know, there was a point at which you could just kind of hop from zombie head to zombie head like you were stage diving, and like right. you never even had to fight anything. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, yeah. Um, but so far, I've done a lot more hand-to-hand combat than your average, than I usually have done in Dead Rising stuff because I'm usually very careful about how much durability I use up on my weapons. But this is just like, go for it, go kill things, go go go! Like they're very much encouraging you to jump in and just go you know, use your stuff. Huh? I think so, I, I kind of like thing. that. Yeah. But I think that you know, with in terms of like the you know the, the emphasis on the time limit and stuff, I feel like there's maybe enough here that was changed from what made Dead Rising Dead Rising that really hardcore fans might find it diluted. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and like, like you say, it's it's very much written in a, as a, as a comedy in a way that the other ones weren't necessarily. Even though, like, you could dress up as a Mega Man and you know do all that crazy stuff. Like, the cutscenes weren't necessarily you know the characters were not funny in and of themselves in the context of you know. And now, like, there's people commenting on how Frank, oh, you're so witty, kind of thing, you know. Right. Whereas, like, Frank was mostly funny because <clears throat> he was an idiot before. Yep. Unintentionally. Yeah. Been. Right. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd say if you don't know, if you haven't already bought it for full price, maybe just wait because this. I think this thing's gonna fall in price. It'll drop price. pretty quick. I think by the time we do our next game phase, <laughs> it'll be like half price. So, all right, let's move along. This is our last topic of the show, and it's not really even a topic. Just want to bring up something that you guys that were doing on Sifted. So, just signed a partnership with Loot Crate for Loot Gaming. Um, if you, some of you guys haven't been on the site, I know some of you guys only watch the stream on Twitch and you don't even subscribe to Sifted. Uh, and this is actually specifically for you guys. So we just formed a partnership with Loot Crate, Loot Gaming. Um, basically what we're doing every month is new subscribers are automatically entered into a raffle uh, to win that month's Loot Gaming Loot Crate. Um, and I'll just open this one up. We got our first one sent to us. 
And this is for new subscribers only. This is not for existing subscribers, so. There's an Assassin's Creed shirt, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's from Black Flag action, that's cool. Yep. Uh, there's a Dragon Age figurine. There's an Okami Den figurine, wow. which is really freaking cool. There's... There's a, a callback. Yeah, there's a Castlevania letter opener. Let's see if I can get this open. Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2. But it's like a... Yeah, Lords of Shadow 2. It's a sword hmm. letter opener, if you can see that. And there's a poster. There's like a mythic pen. There's a bunch of stuff in here. So, anyway, all new subscribers in December are automatically entered to win this loot crate. Um, and then the other part of it, too, is for the whole month of December, premium subscriptions are $40 instead of $50. So for the next three weeks, if you become a premium subscriber, you can get it for $10 cheaper. And it's just a end-of-year special that we're doing. And we're going to push this really hard when we do the Shane versus uh, Bloodborne uh, live stream. <laughs> we're going to do like a subscriber drive. And we mentioned already that we're going to put up a bunch of codes for free games during the subscriber drive. And this will be going on every month. So this is the stuff for December's. January, we'll have a whole other crate. February, March, et cetera, et cetera. It'll be different every month. So just a way, you know, I want to thank Loot Crate for uh, doing this deal with us. Um, obviously, it makes sense. Our users are used to subscribing for things that they really want. And that's obviously the people that Loot uh, Crate want to reach. Um, I have been a subscriber to Loot Crate on and off throughout the years. I'm a big fan of the service. They always manage to find stuff that I can't find anywhere else. I think they even get some exclusive stuff made just oh, for them. Oh, some of them they make just, yeah, like the, I think the Castlevania thing and the Okami Den thing were made just for Loot Crate. Yeah. So, just want to try to provide uh, more incentive for people to subscribe to the site and to get involved. Again, I know a lot of you people on the stream probably don't subscribe. You just watch the stream every week when you get the alert. But please consider subscribing to Sifted. Um, if you've been watching the show for months and months for free on Twitch... We don't ask for donations on Twitch. We're not sitting here going, give us a donation, hit the button, slam the We don't do that, you know. Hit we're just, the button. We're just hoping that if you Pull feel like you're getting value out of the show, that eventually you'll get to the point where you're like, you know what, I should probably kick these guys some money. So um, we want to help incentivize that by doing the Loot Crate stuff. And like I said, we're going to have the big stream, Shame vs. Bloodborne, where we'll be giving away game codes and a bunch of other fun stuff here in the next couple weeks. So... That's it for that. It's time for us to move on to our trailer of the week. It was a terrible week for trailers. Yeah. Mainly because we did... Actually, our show last week was awesome. Because we beat everybody to the punch on everything. Like, every podcast... Even the podcast that came out yesterday, we're still regurgitating the stuff that we put up last Saturday. So the Saturday thing actually kind of works out awesome as far as, like, for the show getting stuff up. I mean, we talked about The Last Guardian before, like, anybody. Mm. So, if you're watching right now and you haven't favored us, you should, because you'll get info on this show that you won't get anywhere else before everyone else gives it out. In so, part because we were not beholden to the Sony uh, yeah, because, embargo. Yeah, that makes a big difference, but that's how we roll. So, mm -hmm. follow the channel, folks. Um, so, anyway, trailer of the week was tough because we had already talked about all the trailers that came out for PSX and the Game Awards in last week's show. So, there wasn't many to choose from, but I did find one that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, you guys may not realize, but Soul Calibur just hit its 20th anniversary. I guess that would actually be like the 20th anniversary of Soul Edge. Soul, yeah, Soul Blade. Soul, Soul Edge. Blade, Soul Edge. Um, Soul Edge, my favorite in the series, by the way. Still the best FMV intro I yeah. think, of all time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's the 20th anniversary for Soul Calibur. Uh, Bandai Namco, 
yesterday, put out a trailer celebrating the 20 years of the series uh, history, and it kind of wraps all of it up into one little piece. Transcending uh, history. Yeah. Uh, get your questions in now for the Q&A at the end of the show. We're running out of time. We don't have time to answer a ton of questions, but get those in so we can answer them. Uh, right now, we're going to watch the 20th anniversary trailer for Soul Calibur. What's your favorite Soul Calibur? Dreamcast? Um, yeah, I think, I think, well, yeah, either Soul Calibur or Soul Edge. Um, I, I thought they started to really sort of drop the ball on those, like, you know. Once Link the, was in Soul Calibur? I liked him in Soul Calibur. Uh, and Star Wars made no sense, Yoda, but, it was, it was, but it was cool yeah. to play as Darth Vader. But I always, my favorite thing in Soul Calibur was always, like, the big, the quest kind of, you know, like, pseudo RPG mode and like they they really skimped on that as time went on. Yeah. And they kind of brought it back a little bit in Soul Calibur 3 but then there was a bug that could de- destroy your save so that wasn't very fun. Yeah. Um yeah, like and then like I think I think 4 was the last one I really paid attention to. I didn't um, even play the last one. What I was going to say is Soul There were a couple games in that montage I didn't remember at all. Yeah, I mean so to me Soul Calibur has really fallen off the last couple mm-hmm. entries. I feel like it kind of Moved to the center and lost its identity a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, what separates it is that it's a weapon-based fighter. Yeah. It's all about having a weapon, whereas a lot of it's some are hand-to-hand, like Virtua Fighter. Uh, some are like over-the-top, like Street Fighter, where you have like moves that are pretty much impossible to pull off. Um, and to me, Soul Calibur was always about the weapons, and I felt like the last couple games kind of strayed away from that a little bit. Obviously, mm-hmm. they still had returning characters with their weapons and things like that, but I just didn't feel like it was as much focused on that as it was in, in the past. Yeah. So. I always I remember the in Soul Edge you could actually make somebody drop their weapon if yeah. you hammered them hard enough and yeah. I, I, I kind of missed that because that went away I think in Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast and I missed that but Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast is probably the one I played the absolute most. Oh, I definitely I mean Soul Edge I played mostly in the, in the arcade. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, as far as the amount of time I've spent with, definitely the Dreamcast version. Mm. I mean that was one of those games where like when the Dreamcast had like software laws, which it did a yeah. lot. You could always go back to that game. Oh, yeah. I worked in a in a independently owned game store in '99 when that came, when the Dreamcast came out. We used to do uh, Soul Calibur tournaments 
with the customers who came in. Yeah. It was, good t- it, was, it was a cement bunker in the back of a parking lot. It would rain all winter, and we would do Soul Calibur tournaments. It was good times. Uh, somebody, A Tale of Swords and Souls, Eternally Told, from Dark Force 256. Nice. Uh, Sam was saying that during the show, somebody was asking uh, if Matt and I, after we do our cold open, if we, come over, if we actually have to make the move then over to the desk. And Sam was saying, people were saying it's pre-recorded, the cold open. It's not pre-recorded. Matt and I absolutely do the cold open live. And then while the, the theme song is playing and the open is playing, we have to make it over to the desk in time. Uh, the first time we did the cold open, when we changed the format of the show, we didn't make it. We didn't make mm. it in time. And when we, we planned our chords better from then. After yeah, that. when the open happened the first time, we were like we weren't even anywhere near the desk. <laughs> we came, we sat down, and so we had to fix it in in a post. Uh, but now we've got it down to a science, and we're pretty good at it. Uh, it's good to think that people think it's pre-recorded. That's how smooth. Yeah, we are that's now. that's a uh, that's positive. That's a good sign. So you know, it's and not if you still need proof, I can read like the last line of the chat before we run over next time. Or yeah, something. yeah, exactly. But it, yeah, it's not pre-recorded. It's all live. This show is 100% live. Uh, let's see. Johnny Hurricane, is this the new time slot? They're going back to Thursday. Unfortunately, we've been doing Saturdays because there's been scheduling conflicts. And then the other problem is once you do a show later, so we did a show last Saturday, we wanted to do the show Thursday, but there was nothing to talk about. Like, I think we had like five topics for the show, which we could have done, and the show would have been an hour like some other podcasts. Seriously, actually, yeah. now most podcasts aren't even an hour. Like, yeah. kind of funny is doing like three hours. Easy What's Allies like? is doing two hours. <laughs> I don't watch them all. Um, I can't. I don't have time to watch them all because I have to work and do other stuff. But like three podcasts in one, then. Yeah. Um, so it would have been a really short show, and I know you guys are used to the, this show being a lot longer. And so we decided to push it. Uh, you couldn't do it last night, is that right? Yeah. And so we had to do it on Saturday. Um, typically, we want to do the show on a Thursday. So. This is the last regular game phase for 2016. So, and mind you, if we'd done it last night, I would not have played Dead Rising yet. Yeah, so. that's not a good point. And so uh, when we come back, it'll probably start up on Thursdays again. Um, as, far, as for our Game of the Year episode, it'll probably be Thursday next week because we don't, we don't have to rely on topics for the show to happen. So is it probably, which, which Thursdays? Oh, not, not, it won't be yeah. Thursday because you're going to see Star Wars. Road so it'll, be, it'll be next Friday probably. Um, but yeah. So that's the best answer I can give you. Avatar Continuum. Shane and Matt, not a question. Just want to say thank you for bringing us Sifted every week. You're welcome, man. Thank you for watching the show. We really appreciate your support. Um, you find any, Matt? Uh, Dyson XP asks, are you still giving out a free console for every 2,000th subscriber? Is that a thing? That was that. at launch. That was a launch mm. special when we first started. I can't believe you remember that, dude. That's crazy. I didn't think anybody remembered that. <laughs> I didn't. That was a, I was here. That was a launch promotion. We did a, a launch promotion for just to get like the initial influx of subscribers into the site, and we did it once, and we haven't done it since. So that's not a bad idea to maybe bring it back, though. Might be good for the subscriber drive. Yeah, actually, might be a really good idea. People arguing about who the best Soul Caliber fighters are. Hmm. Kilik. Um, here's one from Madzola. Do you think For Honor will have the same thing happen to it as Evolve? Show good at events, but die off really quick once it comes out. Maybe. I'm not that high on For Honor. I know a lot of people are. 
I'm again in into it for the campaign. Like I yeah. really like how the combat system plays, uh, like in, in single player. But uh, a lot of really good combat systems uh, only last as long as it takes contact with multiplayer, basically. Yeah. Because there's always going to be a way to game the system. There's always going to be a way to like you know cheese stuff, and it's just going to yeah, everybody's going to do the same thing, use the same item, use the same whatever. And it's just yeah. I don't see that multiplayer as having legs at all, to be honest. With you. I, there's just I not enough nuance to it. I don't think so. You know what? You know what I think would have more legs. I mean, not like you know Call of Duty legs. Would have more legs is like a co-op horde mode. In Probably. That like that would be something I'd be more interested in. Yeah. I mean, multiplayer mo- melee, melee games. Melee com- like... Yeah, melee comes down so much to to latency and like yeah. you know it, you never. A lot of times, you never quite feel like you're in control, or like that you did this. You saw the same thing your opponent did, and because you know, it comes down to split second timing, and it's hard enough in fighters, you know. And I don't believe for one second that For Honor is going to have net code to match like the top level online fighters. Yep, uh, I Perky or L Perky, Shane. When you're playing Bloodborne within the next week and a half, um, I leave Los Angeles on December 19th uh, to go back to the East Coast to spend the holidays with my family. Um, so it's definitely going to be before that. Uh, probably the 15th, 16th, something like that, somewhere around there. Well, the 16th is the Game of the Year show. Right. 15th is Rogue is, One Night. So it might be next Wednesday, actually. It's either Wednesday or Saturday. Saturday, yeah. It's either going to be next Wednesday or next Saturday. But if you go on the site, we'll promote the living crap out of it. You won't be able to miss it. And if you're, uh, if you're following us here on Twitch, you'll get a notification letting you know. Uh, we'll make sure to change the title so it says Shane versus Bloodborne whenever it goes live. Uh, kills with kindness. What do you think of the cam girls in Yakuza Six? Holy crap, man! <laughs> Did you watch that, Matt? Yeah, most of it. Wow. You think that'll make it here? I don't know. I mean, God, the screaming if it doesn't is going to be. <laughs> you think? Um, oh, well, I mean, the fan base is small but vocal. Um, and Holy last... cow, man! Yeah. I was really shocked by that. It takes a lot to shock me. And I was like, damn. Sega don't care. Yeah? I mean, in Japan, <laughs> Japan it's no care. big deal. But I mean, it's also like, it's kind of like, that's the sort of thing you expect from that kind of game there. I mean, it's just part of the culture. The Yakuza, you know, it's like, it's like we would expect, you know, shady meetings in Italian restaurants for a mafia game here. I, I just think it was shocking how much work they put into it. Yeah, that's some serious stuff. I mean, damn. <laughs> they There's, wanted that in there bad. I mean, the, the like kind of the, the girls and the dating and the hostess club stuff, there's always been so much effort put into those things. Yeah, in yeah. Terms, I mean, you're right. It, at a certain point, you're just like... There's... But to shoot, like, live-action oh, cam yeah. girls. And I like... mean, it's like the escalation of it is kind of... there's It's kind of a linear curve. Basically. I mean, even going back to something at three or four, it's like, there are so many outfits yeah. in that game in four where it's just like used for just this yeah and no other you know and like it's amazing like they like that is clearly an important thing at least to the the japanese fan base so so they've just you know upped and upped the ante will it make it to the western version for their sake i hope it does because otherwise everyone's just going to scream censorship all night so i'd say keep it and sub it subtitle it and call it a day Here's a good question. It's all going to be digital anyway. Who cares? Yeah, I don't think it'll make it to the West. I think it'll get cut. Um, Here's a question from Congrim1. Do you reckon the new hardware, Xbox One S, PS4 Slim, and PS4 Pro, played a factor in taking sales away from the AAA games? Good question. Um... Yes, I think it did. Maybe, but like if you bought the new hardware, why didn't you buy the AAA game with it? Because it came with one. Oh, did it? I mean, most of the, yeah, the bundles that have been... So are they not, the, the NPD's not counting the bundle sales, then? Uh, 
I don't think there was any bundles for. Mm. I'm talking about like Uncharted Four, like right. those types of bundles, um, or Forza Horizon mm. Three, or whatever. Um, and those bundles, generally the first party bundles, tend to sell the best. So I mean, it's possible that like, but at the same time, like again, you're still dealing with the software sales up. So maybe it's just you know, I bought a system, it was bundled with Uncharted Four, and I bought uh, Dark Souls Three for forty bucks instead of. Infinite Warfare for 60. Yeah, that's very possible as well. If I there, mean, the other thing if too there is indeed it, is someone out there who wants to play Dark Souls 3 and Infinite, War, Infinite Warfare. The other thing, too, is that everyone's buying gifts now. Right. People aren't necessarily shopping for themselves. You buy somebody a console as a gift, it has the game in it, mm. done. Right. <laughs> Which is why a lot of people buy bundles, because they're like, oh my Battlefield gosh. 1, it's on you. Right. Like, but I just gave you Uncharted 4 right. and your hardware. So, yeah, I mean, that could be a part of it as well. True. It's an interesting conundrum right now. I'm interested to see if we. What I, I'm very interested to see in conjunction with this story, what Q1 sales are like for for these big games. What we think are big games. But all, that's the thing. Like all these other games are coming out. Like mm-hmm. we're gonna have Q4 Part Two yep. in like February and, and, and March. For me, I mean, I think Q Q1's lineup is way more interesting than Q4's has been. More variety, at least. Yeah. Part of that's just the Horizon fanboy talking, but. We'll see. Uh, any hype for Stardew Valley on PS4 next week? That's from Gurzilla. Eh, I have it on PC. I never played it much because I thought the controls sucked. Um, so I was trying to play it with a controller and it didn't quite work. It felt like there was sort of a, it wanted me to use the mouse kind of. I don't know if they've revamped that since then. If if people play it on PS4 and they say that the controls are uh, are solid, like you know, a little more controller oriented, I will I will probably try to pick that up and see what I can do. I haven't uh, touched it yet, Stardew. In Valley. part because uh, my niece plays it and she loves it. And last time when she asked like what my Stardew Valley game looked like, and I didn't have an answer because I'm like I played like an hour of it and got sick of the controls. She's like, well, like she. she didn't, <laughs> She didn't. You broke her heart a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and so I would like to be able to play it and sort of, you know, talk to her about it, yeah. and because and, her her mom didn't play it and my sister didn't play it, so like that's yeah. one of the best things about the holidays is when you get together with family and you may not have anything in common at all, mm. but video games. Oh, yeah. And you start going through the year, you start talking about like all the games you played and what you thought of them, and like that's for me that's always a fun mm. part of like uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas with like. Big family gatherings, yeah. like all the younger folks in my family will come up to me like, "Hey, that's basically me." And I was my thinking bro- about buying this. Should that's I basically buy me it? and my brother-in-law. It's like yeah. we, we catch up on all the game stuff, uh, and then she. I mean, I gave my niece my, my old gaming laptop uh, for her birthday in June, so she's been playing. And I put all these God games on it for her, so she's been playing like Might and Magic and all these like games I played growing up. And she's like, "The graphics suck." I'm like, "Yes, I know, the graphics <laughs> suck." But, that's uh, why games are so awesome now. But it's it's fun to watch her sort of like you know you know one of her favorite games is Spore, loves Spore. Making crazy animals. Just play I can Spore, see that. but she yeah just never stops playing Spore. Kids love stuff like Some, that. Somewhere out there, someone's playing Logs. Spore. They're still around after all these years. All right, that's gonna do it for episode seventy-one. Thanks to everybody on the stream. Thanks for the folks in Europe. Uh, hope everyone has an excellent weekend. Uh, like I said. Shane vs. Bloodborne Wednesday or Saturday of next week. Game of the Year show next Friday. You're going to get a lot of live streaming love from uh, Sifted over the next week as we try to cram everything in before we leave for the holidays. Hope everyone's doing great. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Game Face. Oh, actually, you're right. We haven't had one of these for a few weeks. Before we go, we have one more new member to Sifted Elite.
Morat Malto Yilmaz. Welcome to wow. Sifted Elite, my friend. You got the green, brother. If you didn't, email support at sifted.net. <laughs> We've actually had problems with that. Like the mm. last couple of days, we've had we had problems with people's subscriptions renewing, not renewing. So if you had that problem, if you know you're a premium subscriber and you're showing as basic on the site right now, support at sifted.net. We've had a couple issues with that. Uh, then we had some people having issues not getting their green elite status. We think we fixed that problem. Uh, but if you do not have the green and you should have the green, let us know and we'll fix it right away. So for real this time... Mm-hmm. Game face is up and out. 